Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. See, now sometimes I get questions. Why do you why do you play the news? That's CBS News. Why do you do it? But you see, sometimes you, you get a nugget in there of something that is worth expounding upon. Just like I just got, which I will expound upon right now. Welcome to the show. Glad you're here today. It's Friday. Happy Friday. Happy Groundhog Day. Good news from Puxatani Phil. We got an early spring coming. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Uh, but the sad news, Carl Weathers died. I did not know that. He was an incredibly talented actor. Obviously best known for Apollo Creed and Predator. Um, but a whole bunch of other things, too. He was funny on Arrested Development. I mean, he had a, a, a huge, just a <clears throat> great body of work. But... He will be missed for sure. Uh, And I'll tell you something else, too. You know, as I was thinking about the news just now, you might have heard that they said that South Carolina's primary is coming up and they think Biden needs a strong showing among black voters. Well, first of all, it's it's a Democrat primary. Biden's going to win. But what's interesting is that that guy was speaking. I don't know if you heard this or not. The guy was speaking and he said, he said, uh, I think Biden's done a good job, but he's got to do more on the border. And he's part of this group of people going down to the border. So there's this black guy in South Carolina who thinks Joe Biden needs to do more on the border. You know, it's a mess for Biden right now. It really is. It's a mess all over the place. I'm going to get into the fact that the same group of wacko environmentalists, nut, nutbags in his party, are the same group of people that are also uh, pro-Gaza, pro-Palestine, and they're anti-Israel, and, and, and Biden's losing support, bleeding support among that group, too. So he's... And they're saying they, they may just not come out and vote. I mean, they may just stay home. By the way, if you joined us last night at Parks Casino for Comedy Night, thank you. We had a blast. It was a lot of fun. And you got to see me on stage singing I Got You, Babe. I just went up on stage. I grabbed the microphone, made Joni and the band stop. And Joni and I did a little riff on I Got You, Babe, where I just completely changed all the lyrics to things making fun of Joe Biden. Anyway, 
The big story of the day today, though, is the development around Fawny Willis, the Georgia Fulton County prosecutor who was going after Donald Trump. And that big story of the day is brought to you by my buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com, my dentist, my friend, and the master of dental implants. Make an appointment to see him today, VenariaDental.com. So the breaking news is that the embattled Fulton County prosecutor, Fawny Willis, has admitted to having an extramarital affair with Nathan Wade. Nathan Wade is the guy who she hired to be the special prosecutor to go after Donald Trump. This guy has no qualifications to be doing this whatsoever. He's made a cool 700 G's doing it, and he's taken his girlfriend, his admitted girlfriend, Fawny Willis, on trips. Lots of trips, luxurious cruises, beautiful stays in Napa Valley. And they got the receipts, all the receipts. And this is all, all, all because Mike Roman, who's been on the show before, Mike's a really smart guy, he pursued this. You know, he, he pursued this and got in touch with Nathan Wade's estranged wife. He's now since settled his divorce, so that's over his now ex-wife. But she said, look, the dude's been sending me 700 bucks every two weeks. I'm basically destitute here, and he's making all this cash. I'm entitled to some of that cash. And then it raised the conflict of interest questions of whether or not Fawny Willis should be sleeping with the prosecutor and then taking trips with the guy using money that she's paid him via the taxpayers of Fulton County, Georgia. And of course, the answer to that is no, you should not be doing that. This is not a George Costanza, you know, was that wrong? I got to tell you, nobody told me. you, you know what the ethics are here. You, you know the ethics are say very, very clearly. You don't hire a special prosecutor who's not qualified, and then he be, you become his gumad, and then you, take, you go on trips with him, and meanwhile the taxpayers are footing the bill. So this case in Georgia is over. It's over. There's no way now Fawny Willis can continue to prosecute Donald Trump. No way. She can't. And there's a, a, a advisory body in Atlanta, Georgia. They will They will ultimately take this case away from her and then they the whole office the whole office is compromised now and they'll either assign it to a new district attorney or a new prosecutor or they won't and it's over i'm telling you the georgia case is over and this is the biggest disappointment for democrats on this groundhog day whether they're happy about an early spring or not they're bummed because they were hoping that georgia was going to be how they got donald trump how they got trump once and for all and put him away behind bars in state prison where there's no pardon power and no ability for him to pardon himself because it's a state crime, not a federal crime. And they were hoping that he'd be behind bars as president of the United States of America, of course, which led to us to come up with the movie Escape from Georgia, Penal Edition, where the Navy SEALs have to go in and rescue the president of the United States from the Georgia Correctional Facility and have a standoff with the Georgia corrections officers and it'd be a whole thing, kind of like The Rock slash The Rock meets Escape from Alcatraz. It'd be a whole <clears throat> whole thing. But meet Shawshank Redemption. It'd be, it'd be, it would have been a huge blockbuster movie. The only, the only problem, though, is it's not going to happen because this case is over. This case is done. But that's what they were hoping for. They were hoping for... Escape from Georgia, penal edition, but now another version of that, because penal code is what I mean. But now another version of the penal code has now destroyed that case because Nathan Wade and Fawny Willis having an affair, and, and which would, I mean, who, no one would care about that fact if it wasn't for the fact that she was paying him $700,000 of taxpayer money and then going on trips with him. You see, that's where it becomes an issue. 
You know, what they do behind closed doors is their own personal business, except if she brought him in as a special prosecutor and then paid him $700,000 and then went on trips with him. So, you know, there's that. There's that little minor asterisk next to the whole, you know, thing. And she's acting like this is just a, a private consenting relationship and that anyone who's attacking her now is just racist. And Trump co-defendant Nathan Wade last month first accused Willis and special prosecutor Nathan Wade, Trump co-defendant Mike Roman, excuse me, and accused Willis and Nathan Wade of having romantic ties, claiming it rendered the far-reaching Georgia election interference indictment fatally defective. Willis responded to those accusations in court filings on Friday, writing that the motion is salacious and designed to obtain media attention. She offered a forceful defense of Wade as a leader more than capable of managing the complexity of the case, even noting how Roman's attorney made Facebook posts in 2016 voicing enthusiastic support for Wade's judicial campaign at the time. What is what, so what does that have to do with anything? The issue is not first of all, I don't think Nathan Wade is qualified to do this because whether or not he was a, a, a judge dealing with parking tickets or not. If you really wanted to get a former president of the United States on this novel concept that he tried to steal the election in Georgia, which obviously he didn't do because, I mean, Georgia didn't go for him. So but that he tried. Wouldn't you bring in an experienced prosecutor who's got the ability to decades of experience around this and knows how to get people to talk and flip and not a dude who's been dealing with parking tickets and municipal traffic court? And then she wrote the following. She said, in an attached affidavit from Wade, he insisted he was no more than friends with the district attorney prior to his hiring in 2021. In 2022, District Attorney Willis and I developed a personal relationship in addition to our professional association and friendship. Personal relationship is translation for we started having sex. Sexual relations. Now that right there is a big no-no you know because that's not you're not supposed to do that stuff it's a big no-no but you got to wonder i mean when she brought him in in 2021 did she have the hots for him you know maybe maybe she thought this could turn into something if she hired him you know did she think that by bringing him in maybe she could wreck his home and break up his marriage and then you know sneak in there and i don't know i don't know maybe they did genuinely start as friends and it just transformed. But either way, you see, it really reaches a, cre- a crescendo of an ethics violation when she starts going on trips with the dude who's making all this money from her office. It becomes a very, very problematic issue. Roman's motion asked for the charges against him to be dropped and for Willis, Wade, and the Fulton County District Attorney's Office to be blocked from continuing to work on the case. At nearly the same time, Wade's estranged wife raised the issue in their ongoing divorce proceedings. Lawyers for Jocelyn Wade later filed bank statements appearing to show flights to San Francisco and Miami in the pair's names while the district attorney's office investigated Trump and his allies. Now, obviously, the minute that they crossed that line should have been the minute that he removed himself from the case. And he said, now that now that we've crossed the Rubicon here, I'm going to I, I can't I can't be the special prosecutor anymore because people are going to scream impropriety, but they didn't think they'd get caught. See, that's the problem. Nobody ever thinks they're going to get caught. They got caught and they got the receipts. So 
you know. But I mean, they were they were very very um, blatant about the whole thing. I mean, they really were. You know, trips and hotels and, and airline tickets and all that stuff. And it's hard to pay cash for that stuff in this day and age. But then you also have to put her name on things because of federal law. So you can't you know put a, f- a fake name on an airline ticket. I mean, unless you get a fake ID in the whole business, but that that's a whole other complication, right? Well, this was bound to come out eventually. And the minute that they crossed that line, he should have removed himself from the case, obviously. But he didn't. In 2022, they started this romantic relationship. And then for years after that, they're continuing this romantic relationship. And she's paying him and going on trips with him. In the Friday filing, Willis denied any benefit from her relationship with Wade, indicating that they divide their personal travel expenses rather evenly and have no shared finances. Oh, well, that's good. That's good to know. They split the tab. To be absolutely clear, the personal relationship between Special Prosecutor Wade and District Attorney Willis has never involved direct or indirect financial benefits to District Attorney Willis. Willis also said that Wade's compensation, which amounts to at least $650,000, should not be compared to that of other special prosecutors who are tasked with dramatically less time-consuming work. Other prosecutors are making a lot less money than he is. You gotta wonder why. Special Prosecutor Wade made much more money than the other special prosecutors only because Wade did much more work. Well, then how come he was given so much more work would be the follow-up question to that. Wade's wife subpoenaed Willis for a deposition in the divorce case, but the testimony is indefinitely on hold after Wade reached a temporary agreement settling the matter. Andrea Hastings, one of Jocelyn Wade's lawyers, previously accused Willis of trying to hide under the shield of her position as district attorney by attempting to get out of testifying. The revelation of the relationship threw a curveball into prosecution of the former president. Prior to Willis's response, Steve Sadow, Trump's lead attorney in Georgia, had publicly questioned on Thursday whether the district attorney would answer to the accusations that she went on personal vacations with Wade and whether Willis would reveal who in the office knew about their relationship. Willis also replied today to a claim in Trump's motion joining Roman's bid to disqualify the district attorney that Willis sought to foment racial animus against the former president and his co-defendants to draw attention away from her affair. During a church service commemorating Martin Luther King Jr., Willis implied race played a part in the criticism that she and Wade faced after Roman's motion was filed. You know, because this is what they always do. They play the race card. They turn around and go, oh, they're only, co- they're all, they're only coming after me because of racism. It's only racism. Just because I'm a black woman. That's it. Quote, defendant Trump's motion fails to establish an adequate basis in law or in fact, but even if it somehow did establish such, it fails to articulate any reasonable argument connected to a real, actual legal standard. Instead, much like the motion advanced by defendant Roman, defendant Trump's motion appears designed to generate media attention rather than accomplish some form of legitimate legal practices. Willis's acknowledgement of their relationship today was filed the day of the judge's deadline for the district attorney to respond to Roman's motion. A hearing is set for February 15th, where the attorney for Roman, Trump, and at least one other co-defendant will seek Willis's disqualifications. Now, don't forget what's happening on the, on the state level in Georgia, because 
what you have happening now is that the state legislature and the governor, they've turned around and they've said, okay, well, we're we're now going to go forward with this law that we passed, which is basically now going to give us the ability to remove her from the case. Because Georgia knows this thing stinks. In addition to that, the House has subpoenaed Georgia Georgia District Attorney Phony Willis over the claims by that whistleblower, and we shared that with you earlier in the week, who came out and said to her, and it's all on, 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 on microphone there, it's all on video, that this guy was abusing federal funds, misusing federal funds, federal grant money. And Phony Willis was like, I don't care. And she fired the whistleblower. So now Jim Jordan's committee has now subpoenaed her. So she's in a world of trouble, a world of trouble. It's 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 bad. But you know who's really mad now are the the left is furious with her because she couldn't keep it in her pants. And now the whole case is going to blow up. It's all going to blow up and it's over. And this was their big chance. This was their big chance to get Trump. Because they know that if Trump gets indicted on the federal level or not indicted, but if he's found guilty on the federal level, he can just pardon himself. But not in Georgia. Not in Georgia, where the governor doesn't have the power and the president can't can't pardon himself for a state offense. So they were really hoping this was it. This was the end. You have now these two attorneys who are making a ton of money having this relationship and going after Donald Trump in a very, very political prosecution. And now the state of Georgia, the Republican legislature... And the Republican governor are going to move forward with a law that's going to enable them to remove her. So either way, she's toast. She's toast and that's it. But you and I both know something. And that is that every time they go after Trump, as Bill Maher said, they make the guy into basically a martyr. He's like a revolutionary. Bill Maher says a lot of things that are that are not correct. But and he and he's no fan of Trump. But he says a lot of things that are that are spot on. He does. And he's not a fan of Trump. He thinks Trump's going to win, though. He did an interview with Reason magazine, and he said, I think a lot of people are, I wish Biden would step aside. Well, first, I wish Trump doesn't win, but he totally could, and it's looking more like he will. But a lot can change in a year. It's not a year. It's 10 months, 9 months, 8 months. We haven't had any of the trials, although if the January 6th commission and the media and everything else haven't changed people's minds about liking him, I think these trials are only going to make him look like a revolutionary leader. Let's think about that for a moment. They go after Trump in Georgia, and right now, based on the the polls that I'm paying attention to, of likely voters in the states that matter, Georgia being one of those states, Trump has an eight-point lead. An eight-point lead. So it's not it's not hurting him. If anything, it's only helping him. And I think the lead I think the lead is actually bigger than that because I, I still think there are people that are lying to pollsters and are afraid to say that they're voting for him. So I think his lead is even bigger. And I think what you're hearing across the aisle right now is an acknowledgement that Trump is going to beat Joe Biden. And you're hearing that everywhere. People are saying it, and they know this, and they don't know what to do about it. They want Joe Biden to step aside. They know that their efforts to get Trump to be the nominee, because that's what they were trying to do. They figured if they go after him, it will elevate him. He'll become the Republican nominee, and he's the easiest one to beat. That's what they thought. They were wrong. They played with fire, and now they're getting burnt big time. Because all these prosecutions has only emboldened him, 
They knew that would happen. But what they didn't count on was the fact that Joe Biden would be such a disaster. This plan that they put in motion years ago, years ago, to go after Trump relentlessly, hoping he'd get the nomination. But now Joe Biden is hemorrhaging support from black voters, Hispanic voters. He's hemorrhaging support from Muslim voters. He's hemorrhaging support from Jewish voters all across the board. There are people now who are just saying, we just probably just won't vote. We just stay home. I mean, it's bad. It's really bad. And how do you how do you turn around and you say uh, we can we can we can write this ship in February when the election is in November and early voting starts in October? How do we how do you write this ship now? Democrats messed up big time. Their strategy of making sure that Trump will be the nominee and then having to face the fact that he's going to beat Joe Biden because Joe Biden is such a pathetic candidate will be something that they will regret forever. And they're, they're, they're not going to just give up. I mean, they're going to keep trying. They're going to keep trying very, very hard to, to you know, to, to stop him in any way they can. And that's ultimately why I think they may have no choice but to move Joe Biden off the ticket because Joe Biden can't beat him. He can't. Maybe another Democrat can't beat him either, but at least they'll think that maybe he has a chance. You know, at, least, at least another Democrat won't have to answer for Joe Biden because this election is really a referendum on him. You think about it. So the other issue of the day today is the illegal immigration crisis, which now in New York City, I mean, you got Governor Kathy Hochul coming out and saying they need to go about all, all these uh, these criminals, these illegal immigrants who punch the cops. They need to go. And she got blasted by the uh, New York City Police Benevolent Association because these guys basically walked free. And Kathy Hochul said they need to go. So now all these sanctuary city mayors and governors are saying these people need to be deported. Well, welcome to the party, pal. Mayor of New York City said it too. But the whole point of being a sanctuary city was to say that people won't be able to be deported, even if they're criminals, because that's who it was always about, criminals. Sanctuary city did not mean that ICE could not come to your city and take somebody from their house. It meant that if you were in a correctional facility of some kind and then the feds wanted that person, they wouldn't turn them over. That's what it meant. They would not turn over a criminal in their jail to the to to the feds to deport them. That's literally what a sanctuary city meant. And when Jim Kenney did the white man's overbite and danced and said, we are a sanctuary city. Yeah, that's what he meant. Now you have illegal immigrants beating the crap out of cops on the streets of New York City. And now suddenly the mayor, the governor turning around and going, we got to deport these people. Well, welcome to the party, pal. That's what we've been saying. But isn't it something, though? No person's illegal. Hate has no home here. Blah, 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 until it shows up on your doorstep. Easy to say those things when you think nobody's coming. But then they show up, and suddenly you regret ever saying those things in the first place. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. We got a lot to chat about today on this Groundhog Day, where we now know we'll have an early spring, thanks to good old Puck Satani Phil. We'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The Zioli Show. On your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. You know, I would tweet, Sharon, I'd say, hey, I sang your song last night, but she blocked me on Twitter, so I, she won't see it, which is a shame. <laughs> that is one of my claims to fame, is that I am blocked on Twitter by Cher, and I'm proud of that fact. But it is Groundhog Day, which is why we are playing that song. We might play some other songs from the movie today. We watched it last night. It's an excellent film. And uh, I highly recommend you rewatch it as, as well. I don't like uh, Jonah Goldberg these days, but years ago he wrote a great piece about Groundhog Day and the philosophical meaning of it, which is fantastic. But it's also just a very, very funny movie, too. And Bill Murray's just great. And you two, as producers of this radio show, Matt DeSantis and Henry Machette, you should think about how Bill Murray treats his producers. <laughs> because I treat you much better. I guess that's true. I'm very thankful on this Groundhog Day. Yes. I was thinking about that when I was watching. I was like, wow, he's really a jerk to, uh, <laughs> to both of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> he refused to stay at the same hotel. He needed to be a B&B. Very much a prima donna. It's not who I am. Nope. So I hope you're grateful for that on this Groundhog Day. <laughs> oh, man. You're welcome. Thank, yes, Th- thank, thank you, Rich. No, yeah. it's the least I can do. It's, a, you're wel- it's the least I can do. No we, problem. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, when you're in the luxury suite at the Grand Hotel and I'm sleeping in the back seat of my car, I'll, I'll remember <laughs> this. I'll remember this conversation. <laughs> All right, that's a fair point, but that's that's okay, fair. Got me there. Well, the nice, I mean, the good, the good thing about it, so what? So the, so the little rat saw his shadow. Is that what? Or didn't see his shadow? What is it again? He didn't see it. Did not see his shadow. So because of that, now we have um, 
an early spring. Correct. Yes. But he's never okay, right. He's never correct. He's only right 39% of the time. What do you mean he's time. never correct? He's what does that mean? Statistically, since 1887, which I think is the first year that they uh, they had Puxatani Phil uh, come out and see if he saw a shadow or not, he's only been right 39% of the time. So in 107 attempts, 39% hit rate. That's not good. Really? <laughs> yeah. What, just, what like, do weather people hit at? I'm sure more than 39%. Okay, well, he's a groundhog, so... <laughs> what, what do you want from him? That's my whole point. You shouldn't be putting too much faith into his prediction. For a groundhog, it's a pretty good prediction. No, it's not. You could flip a coin and get a better uh, hit rate. Well, groundhogs can't flip coins. Well, wait a second. Wait a second. If, if, if his his predictions are pretty consistent with with weather people, right? I don't think so. I mean, ask John Belaris. Well, I, I don't know. Is that true? I, I'm, I, I have no idea. I'm just saying, if you if you think about it, how often are weather people wrong? If they still have jobs. Poor Phil comes out once a year, and if he gets it wrong, he doesn't have a chance to make it up the next the next day. I don't think the weatherman is wrong. Uh, you know, sixty percent of the time, though. You should research that. Let's see. before you, before you start going on on your anti Phil crusade. <laughs> you should look into how often weather people are wrong. And, and and let's call them weather people, please, okay? Sorry. Weather Justin people. Trudeau would not be happy with they're, you calling them weather man. They're right 80 to 90% of the time. Henry, can you play my clip? We, we like to say people kind, Thank not you. necessarily mankind. Uh, yeah. It's more inclusive. You, Justin. Yes. So, for example, in Cuba, a weather person in Cuba would say it's going to be a hot day. You what, know what I mean? Because it's hot in Cuba. Choose Cuba out of curiosity. Well, I'm, just, I'm just picking a random country. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm, as I bring up Justin Trump, I'm just picking a random country where it's hot and the weather people are often correct because it's every day they come out and they get to go, it's hot, you know? So if he chooses to go to the place of his birth one day, he'll be able to enjoy how hot it is. Canada? So. No, Havana, but that's... Uh, <laughs> That's that's not our official stance on the show. <laughs> well, <clears throat> allegedly. I think that uh, Phil did a heck of a job. I was listening to Opelka fill in for me last night, uh, who clearly had started the bourbon a little bit early yesterday. Good for him. But as I was driving to Parks last night, I was listening to him, and he mentioned that, and, and this was the best, when that Staten Island Chuck bit Bill de Blasio, that was a great moment. That's one of the best moments in American political history right there. That groundhog took a big bite of his flesh. And then it great. Tur- turned out it wasn't even Chuck. It was like his girlfriend Charlotte or something. Well, don't mess with the, Don't mess with a female groundhog. <laughs> One of the great political cover-ups of our time. It was. Yeah. They swapped out the the groundhog. Oh, they really did. Yeah, it's a real thing. See, this is what happens in corrupt administrations. This is what happens. But now, and I guess now they want to move. I heard Mike say they want to move to a coin flip because they say it's not fair to the groundhog. You know, this is not good for the groundhog community. Without Groundhog Day, the groundhog is meaningless. As an animal, meaningless. They're just a pain in the neck and all they burrow through your freaking yard and everything else. Groundhog Day, this is why I'm, I'm against bans on dwarf tossing because for the dwarf community, this is their time to shine. And when Maisie Hirono proposed a ban on dwarf tossing, I said, well, the dwarf community does not want it. They're happy. They want to be tossed. This is how they make money. So when the environmental wackos come out and try to protect the groundhog's rights, I keep saying, what, what, what's Phil going to do? You put Puxatani Phil out of a job, what's he going to do? Learn to code? Huh? There's no backup plan. This is it. So I'm just saying, back off, man.
That may work with the chicks, but it won't work with me. Uh, groundhogs can't flip coins. Yeah, wh- which one of you two just said that? I did. Okay, thank you for it's that. It's true. It's factual. No, I, 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 under- I, I do understand that point, but it just... Thank you for clarifying that groundhogs yeah. can't flip coins. I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, Thank I just you. I just had to get it out there. Fun fact. <laughs> fun, fun fact on a Friday: groundhogs can't flip coins. <laughs> Prove me wrong. Eight five five eight three nine twelve ten on Twitter at Rich Zioli. I, I swear, every day feels like Groundhog Day in many ways with our with our political uh, season the way it is. Groundhog Day is an interesting day because we wake up, we we get the prediction. We're, ho- we're hopeful, we're, we're optimistic. It's like the Super Tuesday of weather. It really is. It's a Super Tuesday of weather because we, we're, we're excited, uh, we go into it, and then today it went our way. But then there's Saturday when it's cold. You know, tomorrow's going to be post-Groundhog Day, and then it's going to be cold tomorrow. We're going to be like, where, like, where's this early spring? I equate that to Super Tuesday because Nikki Haley says she's staying in all the way to Super Tuesday. And then I wonder what she's going to do on Despair Wednesday or Disappointment Wednesday or uh, Devastation Wednesday because she says she's staying in. And I'm telling you right now, this is like Groundhog Day. She's going to get crushed in South Carolina where Trump has a two-to-one lead, just like she lost in New Hampshire, just like she lost in Iowa. And then she's going to go on to Super Tuesday and she's going to lose all those states too. And it's going to be like Groundhog Day for her. My question is, Super Tuesday, what happens on, on Wednesday? Hangover Wednesday. Disappointment Wednesday. Is it the end of the line on Wednesday? Because she told Jake Tapper, she said, I'm all in. I'm all in a Super Tuesday. So I want to know what happens Wednesday morning. That is the question. We'll ask that question throughout the show today. And the other question that I have is what will we remember Carl Weathers best for besides Rocky? We all know Apollo Creed. And obviously for being a, a show based in Philadelphia is very, very special. I mean, that scene, and Henry, if you could pull the scene for me where he talks about why he wants to do the fight on the 4th of July in Philadelphia. You know the scene I'm talking about? Yeah, against the Southpaw, against Rocky. He's, yeah. in his, he's in his office, and that's a, a pivotal scene. It's so Philly. It's so America. It's great. The Bicentennial, 1776, the fight in Philadelphia against an underdog, the Italian Stallion. Great. It's a great scene. But what is Carl Weathers best known for outside of Rocky is what I want to know. That's what I want to know in your own personal opinion. So let me know. 855-839-1210. Or you can tweet me at Rich Zioli if you like. What do you think his <coughs> excuse me, other seminal <laughs> performances are? Sorry, I just chugged a Red Bull and I'm having a little bit of a agita, as we call it. <laughs> agita. Do you think they have a groundhog in Cuba? Do <laughs> they need to? Not. That's Do they need stunning. to predict it whether it's an early spring in Cuba? What's the weather in Havana right now? I'm asking for a Canadian prime minister. What is it? Havana weather. What is it right now? It is a balmy 77 degrees. Tomorrow's going to be 79 degrees. Beautiful. Pretty nice. Beautiful day on tap. Sunny and 79 and Marxist. That's the, that's, that's the forecast for Cuba tomorrow. Justin, you should go. Get your vitamin D levels up because it's very, very cold and dark in Canada. Doesn't matter how many groundhog predictions. Can't save you, pal. Know what I mean? Time for you to go home to the motherland. <laughs> no, he's already there. We believe, uh, we believe he's Canadian. 
You believe whatever you want. And we believe that Puxitani Phil is a great forecaster. The prognosticator of prognosticators, which was my title, politically speaking. I was the political prognosticator of prognosticators until I made a huge mistake this political cycle, predicting that Doug Burgum would go all the way. I am the Puxitani Phil of politics today because I predicted Burgum would stand up there and take the oath of office. And then I followed that prediction up with Ace of the Hat Hutchinson that he would wind up becoming president. Two in a row. The political prognosticator of prognosticators, me, lets you down on both of those predictions. But don't worry, there's plenty of time for me to make it up to you. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, if you'd like to weigh in. we got a lot of show. we got a big Friday. Dr. Victoria Coates is going to join us. Are we getting ready to strike Iran militarily? And we'll also talk to Dr. Wilford Riley about all that is woke in the world. Don't go away. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. <laughs> Very nice. That's good. <laughs> I see what you did there, Henry. I what? see what you did there. No, nothing. I got you, baby. It's cold outside, campers. Uh, 855-839-1210. Apparently, airstrikes have started uh, in Syria. We're getting some reports on that. Good time to have Dr. Victoria Coates on the show. She'll join us soon. But apparently now we are doing something retaliatory in the Middle East. That is, that's the latest that we're, we're getting right now. We don't have the full extent of it, but it will be developing, I'm sure, throughout the afternoon. So we'll keep you posted on that. The basic summary right now is... That some something may have started, so we'll keep an, keep a watchful eye on that for you. The other thing is that in uh, New York City, the attack suspects, the guy, the illegal immigrants who beat up the cops, may have fled to California. They may have fled to California. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about that as well throughout the afternoon, no doubt about it. Uh, this is one of my favorite scenes from Rocky with Carl Weathers, who uh, passed away today at seventy nine years old. Great, great actor. Uh, take a listen. I did. Without a ranked contender, what this fight is going to need is a novelty. This is the land of opportunity, right? So Apollo Creed on January 1st gives a local underdog fighter an opportunity. A snow white underdog, and I'm going to put his face on this poster with me. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm sentimental. And a lot of other people in this country are just as sentimental and there's nothing they'd like better than to see Apollo Creed give a local Philadelphia boy a shot at the greatest title in the world on this country's biggest birthday. Now that's the way I see it. And that's the way it's gonna be. Apollo, I like it. It's very American. Now, Jurgens, it's very smart. So good. So good. But what else is he known for? Preston's in May's Landing. Preston, happy Friday, buddy. Hey, Rich. How are you today? Doing well. How are you? Good. Hey, I was the guy from uh, Tennessee that was at the Grand Hotel with you. I uh, remember you. We took a great picture together, you and your brother. Yes, we did. Absolutely. Yeah, I wanted to say uh, it was uh, when he was uh, Happy Gilmore's trainer and he lost his hand to the alligator. (laughs) Yes, yes. That was great. He was great. He was great in Happy Gilmore. Absolutely. One of my favorites. All right, Preston. Thanks, buddy. You have a great weekend. I thank you, Rich. Appreciate it.
You got it. You bet. Thanks for coming to that show. We are we are going to do more shows at the Grand Hotel for 2024. We're just uh, working on the dates, but we'll be back. I'm excited about it. Live shows at the Grand Hotel. Don't forget, next week, Wednesday night, is our event with Terry Hayes. Uh, he is the author of the book, The Year of the Locust, and he'll be signing the book. We'll have a great chat. He and I on stage together chatting about The Year of the Locust, and uh, you get your tickets by going to 1210 wpht.com we'll talk about the cia we'll talk about what it's like to be um in 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 the industry you know of, of hollywood and he left hollywood very unhappy with how that industry was but he was a great mind behind movies like road warrior and others so i'm excited to have that conversation it's gonna be a lot of fun uh dan is in havertown dan what else is carl weathers known for in your mind the best known hey, for outside hey of rich Right on. Um, yeah, character ring the bell, Apollo. Anyway, yeah, I love that movie. No, but uh, Predator. Predator is a great movie. Yeah, I think yeah, in the, the lexicon a smallish of, kind of part in that. Yeah, I think in the lexicon of Carl Weathers, you got to you got to go. Predator is probably number two, right, in terms of what he's known for. I would think so. Yeah, he's pretty recognizable in that movie. Uh, he did some black uh, uh, black exploitation films in the seventies. I think he did one or two with uh, Pam Greer, but nobody watches those movies except me. So anyway, they're great. <laughs> movie though. buff. What can I say? Oh yeah, I love it. I can't get enough of it. I wish I could watch more. I wish I could stay home all day and just watch movie after movie after movie after movie. But uh, can't really do that. They don't make good movies anymore. It sucks. Do what 30% of America does and just stay home all day streaming and let the government send you benefits. Oh, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. That would work for about two days, and I, I'd go crazy because i got to be out outside every day and doing different stuff and seeing people, and I just can't. That, that's, that's, not, uh, that's not in my blood. You know what I mean? I hear you, brother. I hear you. Thanks, Dan. You have a great weekend, pal. Appreciate it. John, happy uh, Groundhog Day. Happy Groundhog Day, day Rich. Uh, great show. Love it. Love it. Don't it? Don't forget us little people when you make it bigger and bigger and bigger out there, all right? Oh, you stop it. I'm just fine where I am, but thank you for that compliment. <laughs> uh, I got one for you. I think it's back in the late 80s after Rocky, little hiatus. He came out with his own movie called Action Jackson. I believe he was like an ex-cop or something. Yes, so Action Jackson, right. And then Predator and Happy Gilmore, obviously. But he also did voiceovers. He did mm-hmm. some voiceovers, I think, for uh, Medicare or something. I don't know, way back when. And That's all I you, got, Rich. Do you remember, uh, did you ever watch the show Arrested Development? Uh, heard of it, never watched it. Very, very funny show. I highly recommend it. Not, not the spinoff, not, not the one they did on Netflix, but the original three seasons. And he was in that, and it was he, he was great in that too. That's a really funny wow. show. But hey, listen, I'm going to go look it up now. Excellent contribution, my friend, and you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. Thanks, Rich. Thank you. All right, eight five five eight three nine twelve ten on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Uh, so right now, this is the this is the news we're getting. Retaliatory U.S. airstrikes begin in Syria, Iranian proxies and affiliates in the Middle East, and this is going to develop throughout the afternoon. We have Dr. Victoria Coates here at four thirty. She, of course, is the expert on all these things from foreign policy wise. Uh, so this is a perfect day to have her on the show. But that's what's happening right now. Retaliatory U.S. airstrikes begin in Syria. Where this goes from here, I don't know. Obviously, none of us do. I, I think I can express the sentiment that you probably feel, which is that, damn, we wish we had a different commander-in-chief in the White House right now. 
because it, 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 it could absolutely blow into something much bigger, and it makes me very, very nervous. Uh, Cynthia, on Christ, the solid rock I stand on Twitter, Ma, at Mom5Jersey, said Carl Weathers also had a nice guest role in the TV show White Collar. And she said, one of my all-time favorite movies, Predator. Great Carl Weathers performance. Um, Howard Levin says, Rich, finally found the Groundhog cartoon song on YouTube, Hourly Bump Music. What's the Groundhog cartoon song? I don't know what that is. I'll have to look that up. Thank you for the tip, Howard. Marcus Aurelius says, Carl Weathers was great in Chariots of Fire. Chariots of Fire, running on the beach. Oh, wait, that's Rocky Three. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, and Signs of Autumn Signs says, Rich, I'm not sure, but I think Justin Trudeau went to Canada to be in complete opposite environment to avoid thinking about his father. It's a great idea for him. I can understand that. If you want to escape your father, you go to a completely different climate. You can't get more opposite of Cuba than Canada. I'm just saying. Joseph said Action Jackson. Linda Heinrich said Carl Weathers was great on In the Heat of the Night. And Road Warrior, Predator, had a pretty badass cast of bad asses. Uh, very, very good. Johnny Z, Happy Gilmore. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Chubbs, no doubt, man. It was great. I, I think, um, I think too, what I loved about Happy Gilmore was the fact that, he, you know, at the end of the movie, he's, he's up in heaven with the alligator. And we've talked a lot about, or was it a crocodile or alligator that took his hand, right? If I'm not mistaken? Oh, tell me you two have seen Happy Gilmore, yeah, right? I've I, seen it, but I don't remember. Yeah. That is, know. Happy Gilmore is, is got one of the funniest movies. I think it's Adam Sandler's funniest movie by far. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? No, I mean, people always bring up Billy Madison. Happy Gilmore is funnier than, than, than yeah, that. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm pretty sure Chubbs had his arm eaten by, by an alligator. And I, I, I want to say alligator's right. Yeah, yeah, I think at the end of the movie, I think he and the alligator are both like, like friends in heaven. Yeah, they're waving down. <laughs> Yeah, they're waving down, right. It's great. It's great. Uh, he'll be missed. That's a bummer. I, I, I always really liked him. He was a great actor, but Apollo Creed, man. I mean, there's nothing nothing better. And then the speech he gives uh, Rocky in Rocky Three, of course, when he becomes his trainer to train him. And then ultimately, the um, when he dies in Rocky Four at the hands of Ivan Drago, spoiler alert. <laughs> Some I, people may not have seen it yet. I, I cried. Come and tell me you didn't cry when Apollo Creed died at the hands of Ivan Drago. Yeah, it scared the bejesus out of me when I was a kid, you know, watching that for the first time. I was like, you can die, you can die in the ring? Because first of all, Apollo Creed started out as the bad guy. I mean, Rocky ends and he goes, there ain't going to be no rematch. And Rocky says, I don't want one. And then as the story arc goes and Rocky beats him in Rocky 2, they become friends in Rocky 3, helps Rocky get his mojo back so he could fight and beat Clubber Lang. You know what I mean? And Apollo Creed lectures Rocky and how he lost the eye of the tiger. He lost the eye of the tiger. And then in Rocky four, he dies at the hands of Ivan Drago, friggin' Russians. And that was a CIA psyop to get us to hate Russia in advance of, of the 2016 election where they were going to blame Russian collusion. I just made that last part up, but it did. <laughs> why not? All right. So explosions reported in Syria. That's the breaking news right now on the show. We will keep you updated throughout the afternoon. Obviously, there's a lot of questions about where this goes, what happens, what it all means. So we're going to fill you in on all of it. Don't worry about it. You have nowhere to go but right here. Uh, the latest on New York, the immigration crisis, these illegal immigrants, all of it. 855-839-1210 on Twitter, at Rich Zioli. Coming right back. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WPHT, 
HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. Yes. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Explosions reported in Syria as the United States retaliates against the strike in Jordan. Donald Trump responds to Fawny Willis admitting she had an affair with Nathan Wade. And uh, the latest in the security theater is the TSA's facial recognition technology. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here today. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. In addition to that, Jordan Peterson, who's actually coming to Philadelphia in May, um, he's going to give a talk. There's a great there's a great piece about him today in the New York Post that he is doomed to be a victim of woke culture. Jordan Peterson is doomed to be a victim of woke culture. So we'll talk about that as well. Uh, the big story, though, right now is that explosions have been reported in Syria. Dr. Victoria Coates will join us at 430. She's the expert in foreign policy. We'll get the lay of the land from her. And what all this means and where all this could go from here, because none of us know, obviously, and 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 she's she's the best. So Philadelphia's own Dr. Victoria Coates will join us at 430. The other thing, too, that I want to mention is is on this Groundhog Day where now little pucks has uh, given us an early spring we can hope for. The other thing I want to mention is that what happened in New York with these illegal immigrants who beat up these cops and then they were released on bail is an absolute travesty of justice. And these guys have now fled to California. They're gone. They're in the wild. They're, they're, they're gone. There's no justice there. Alvin Bragg, who's a political hack, who made his entire career after going out, pledged to go after Donald Trump. He's, he's another Larry Krasner, soft on criminals, soft on crime. And he let these guys go. He let these guys go after beating up two cops. Here's the president of the NYC Police Benevolent Association slamming the Democrat laws that released these illegal immigrants back onto the streets. Cut number two. Why aren't they in jail right now? They brutally attacked a New York City police officer and a lieutenant. Our criminal justice system is upside down. It fails every day. Exactly right. And Governor Kathy Hochul even acknowledged what we've all been saying, which is that you have to deport these people. Yes, you have to deport them. They should be deported. On the subway, looking like a regular commoner, the governor of New York said the following. Get them all and send them back. We don't don't touch our police officers. We don't touch anybody. Thank you, everybody. Send them back from from whence you came. Welcome to the party, pal. That's isn't that funny though? How these Democrats who were all pro sanctuary city, pro sanctuary states, which meant that the feds could not send these people back. They could not deport people who were criminals. Now suddenly, all oh, big change of heart, right? When it arrives at their doorstep, would Jim Kenny be doing the white man's overbite, dancing and singing "We Are a Sanctuary City" in today's climate? Probably not. But they never thought it would come to their doorstep. So. It was fine for them to say it. Fine. But now, suddenly, it's a big problem, isn't it? And you heard that guy in that news clip, and I told you, Donald Trump is doing better with the black vote than any other Republican, period. And and, and Biden is hemorrhaging support of of the black voters and Hispanic voters, too. But that guy in in that news clip, and he said, uh, he's a South Carolina voter, he said, Biden needs to do more on the border. Biden needs to do more on the border. Of course he does. But the scam that's happening right now in Washington is that they are holding out for more money for Ukraine. 
And so they're going to have another vote next week on more Ukraine funding, tying it to the border. It's a joke of a bill. The bill needs to go down in flames. And we need to deal with Ukraine separately from the border, separately from Israel, separately from, quote unquote, humanitarian aid to Gaza. Trump just responded to the news of the day brought to you by our buddy, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Get your perfect smile today with my friend, my dentist, and the master of dental implants, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. He responded and said the following, Fawny Willis, the DA of Fulton County, just admitted to having a sexual relationship with the prosecutor. She, in consultation with the White House and Department of Justice, appointed to get President Donald J. Trump. By going after the most high-level person and the Republican nominee, she was able to get her lover much more money, almost a million dollars, than she would be able to get for the prosecution of any other person or individual. That means that this scam is totally discredited and over. He's right. It is over, and it is a scam, and Fawny Willis's case is done. Their dreams of having Donald Trump incarcerated in a Georgia jail, over, Escape from Georgia, penal edition is not going to happen because he will not be in the penal system because he's, the case is done. Bottom line, it's, it's done, it's over. So that's that. You know, and, and, and look, I, you and I both know that the arrogance of Fawny Willis to go to a black church and to say that they were coming after her because their people are racist, playing the race card, you know what I mean? So now this is what we are finding out right now. And thanks to David Vanderhoof for tweeting this out. He said, U.S. defense officials have confirmed that between 8 to 12 sites in eastern Syria and Iraq used by the IRGC and the Iranian-backed groups have been targeted by the United States Air Force within the last hour. So all this is happening as we speak. Uh, and this check-in on social media brought to you by our friends at Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 where relationships matter. Cherry Hill Volvo. Get Rig says Carl Weathers was in The Mandalorian recently, too, and was pretty good. One of the few series Disney hasn't destroyed yet. True, but they did come close when they got rid of Gina Carano for tweeting out something that was that was so, so vanilla. But nevertheless, they fired her, even though Pedro Pascal, who's the main character, the actor, had tweeted out something comparing Trump to Hitler. And he kept his job. Gina Carano lost hers. She was saying something to the effect of it was during COVID. You know, this is this is essentially how the the people of Germany wound up turning on the Jews. It was it was because they had to rat out their friends and their neighbors. And she was making a historical correlation. I always think it's a good rule in life to to try to find other historical events, other dictators, other tyrannical regimes. There's no shortage of them. Pol Pot, uh, Lenin, Stalin. Justin Trudeau's dad, there's no shortage of dictators you can find throughout the world who you can use. You don't need to always go Nazi and always go Hitler with your with your uh, analogies. But nevertheless, Gina Carano got fired. Pedro compared Trump to Hitler. He kept his job. So, you know, I, 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 I honestly, what's that? I was just going to say, I don't think Matt heard your little quip there. Oh, the Censorati did yeah. not hear it? No, I don't think he heard it. S- sorry, I'm trying to keep up with this Syria uh, strike situation. No, that's good. You should. I don't need the sen- the Censorati. It's okay. It's fine. All I said was I was naming dictators around the world, and I just simply said you can use others besides Hitler. Pol Pot, Stalin, Lenin, Justin Trudeau's dad. That's all I said. I didn't say <laughs> What did I say? I don't what? know enough about Pierre Trudeau's regime. Maybe he was slightly authoritarian. 
Could be right. Allegedly. Allegedly he was. I'm just allegedly, you know. ABC News is now reporting that an initial battery of strikes in Syria did not come from the United States. Though the United States strikes are still anticipated. Jennifer Griffin apparently contracted her report about the U.S. being responsible for the strikes. Okay, so all this is again developing, and we're going to have a lot of this throughout the afternoon for you. But that's, you know, if stuff comes in, we'll, we'll report it to you, we'll bring it to you, and then, you know, you can just stay right here. You don't have to go anywhere because uh, Dr. Victoria Coates is coming up, and she's the, ex- the expert in all this stuff. Speaking of Carl Weathers, though, the scene in Rocky, the, there, are two, there are two scenes in the Rocky movies that I consistently think of, three, there are three, there are three, that I consistently think of in life to motivate myself. One of them we hear at the Phillies games all the time. They play the scene from Rocky Balboa where Rocky gives his son a lecture about how life is the toughest opponent you'll ever face. It will knock you down. you got to get back up. And he says that's how winning is done. That's a great scene. gives me chills. The other is when Rocky is at the bar in Philly, in South Philly, and, he's, and, and the bartender says something you know, about taking your shot. Rocky says something about taking your shot, and the bartender takes his shot, takes an actual shot of liquor. I love that scene in Rocky. Because it really reminds people that you either take your shot in life or you don't. And there's a lot of people who don't take their shot in life when they're given that opportunity. And then the other is the scene where Apollo Creed comes to Rocky in Rocky Three and says to him, you lost the eye of the tiger. Now, this is what, what I mean by this is in terms of motivation, I think it's very easy to, to get to a, a place in life and get comfortable there and think to yourself, all right. And you find this a lot, I think. Let's take talk radio for an example of this. I think there are a lot of hosts out there. They're mostly nationally syndicated hosts, and I do not mean Mark Levin. There are mostly national, national, nationally syndicated hosts out there who phone it in. I don't mean phone it in in terms of doing the show from home, because obviously that put me in that category. No, I mean they phone it in. They don't, they don't put their heart and soul into the show. They don't give it their all every day. And it's easy in life, I think, to get into ruts like that in whatever profession you're in, where you just kind of rest on your laurels. But there was a time when you really wanted to pursue something. So I see, I equate that to getting on this radio station. I had no radio experience whatsoever. I never worked in the business. Dr. Maz made an introduction for me to meet Ed Palladino, the program director at the time. And the best I could get, the best I could do back then was the internet show during the Phillies games back when talk radio 1210 was the big talker and we had we were the home of the Phillies and the big talker would take the Phillies games live and then on the stream the internet stream what would happen is the program director would let some of the hosts they were mostly producers like Clinton Petty for example he and I did a show together they would let he would let us go into the studio and kind of practice our craft a little bit in the safety of the internet stream, which we did not carry the games on. This is, of course, obviously pre-Odyssey, pre-app, pre-everything. We were CBS Radio at the time. So the internet stream would not, uh, because of the license we have with the Phillies, we couldn't carry the games on the stream. This was all, it was all new back then. It was streaming radio and, and all this other stuff, and we really didn't have a great platform for it. You go to thebigtalker.com, and you can listen online and stuff, and I would do that. But anyway... I would drive, I would come to work. I didn't get paid for, I don't know, a year. I would do those internet shows. I think the highest number of listeners we had one time for the internet show was 56. 
not thousand, fifty-six, as in fifty-six individuals listening during this stream of the internet show. But I didn't care because I wanted my my dream, my goal was to be a full-time host on the radio station. And it took me a couple, it took me months where I could get out of just doing the internet stream show talking to 50 people to then I could start doing overnights to then I could start doing weekends to then I could start doing fill in during the day parts as we call it the actual shows that matter to eventually I could get my first gig which was the six to nine guy but we stole the Philly so I was only half the year because the other half the year we had the games and the other half of the year I get bumped for women's highlight uh, ping pong tournaments whatever 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 contract sales made to make money with, with whatever school you know what I mean to have today we're gonna have kangaroo boxing so I get bumped for that I didn't care <laughs> I, <laughs> I, 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 no offense to you I'd probably choose the kangaroo boxing that sounds exciting alright that's fair I mean that's true I, if, if, they, if they had kangaroo boxing on the radio say, I would listen to that I would that I would listen to that's true. <laughs> but then I was offered the first chance I was ever offered to host a show was to be was to be Dick Morris's co-host. And I turned it down. I just didn't feel right about it. And then I waited. And then in 2014, they named me the afternoon drive host when Dick left the station to go help defeat Clinton. Anyway, the point is that I know every day when I get on this radio behind this microphone, I cannot take it for granted. I have to work at it because you're only as good as your last show in life. I mean, I believe that. I do. I believe that. I think you're only as good as your last show. And every, every we're always going to have shows that are marginal every time. You know, it's not, you can't always have a home run, but you're only as good as your last show. That is something that I will teach my children in life in whatever capacity that they do. Every day, you have to find that eye of the tiger. You do. I mean, I mean that. Because if you just take it for granted, if you just ride it out, then you're you're never going to achieve anything beyond where you are. And maybe that's okay, because maybe you are where you want to be. But then the problem is, there's always somebody chomping at the bit to take your place. There's always someone who would love to kill me. Like Matt Rooney, I have to have a food checker when I'm around him, you know. Because Rooney would love to poison me. kill me and take this this time slot so i won't be around rooney if there's any weapons in the room or anything like that you know next friday i'm i'm speaking at the atlanta county republicans dinner we're honoring jeff van drew and rooney will be there and i don't want to be around him if there's a steak knife or anything on the table because he will murder me to try to take this show that's what i mean so there's always somebody chomping at the bit behind you in life so you got to make sure that you're always giving your best and that's another thing in life that I think is a lesson that Apollo Creed taught Rocky in Rocky Three, As we remember, Carl Weathers, take a listen to this. That's not the way to do it. Who's that? Why don't you hit it straight, man? Step into it. Apollo? Right. What are you doing here? Business. Why? Well, to be honest with you, I don't think you could pull it off without me, right? Look, man, when you beat me, I heard all over, and I didn't want to know from nothing or nobody, not even my kids. But hell, every fighter knows that hurt, and we get sick inside trying to live with it, so don't back off now. Make it right for yourself, or you'll be sorry you didn't. We held the greatest title in the whole world, babe. You lost that fight, Rock, for all the wrong reasons. You lost your edge. All right. I know your manager dying. 
had you all messed up inside. But the truth is, you didn't look hungry. Now, when we fought, you had that eye of the tiger, man, the edge. And now you've got to get it back. And the way to get it back is to go back to the beginning. You know what I mean? <laughs> Maybe we could win it back together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a tiger, man. Great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, this is a, is a reporting mess right now. But what we're hearing now is that there are, in fact, retaliatory U.S. airstrikes against Iranian targets in Syria and Iraq. All right. So this is what this is. I'm telling you, times like this, I'm I love the fact that I'm back in afternoons. I really am because I love the breaking news. But it's also a little bit frustrating because we're getting conflicting reports all over the place. Now, what we're saying, what what we're being told now, and Jennifer Griffin's on Fox News reporting this. She she's saying what we can say, what we have been expecting all afternoon and for days now, frankly, is that the United States campaign led by U.S. Central Command, which will involve air assets and sea assets as well as space assets. This is going to be a multi-tiered campaign, and it's going to be over several days, and it's going to increase in intensity. It's going to strike multiple targets, I'm told, upwards of a dozen to two dozen targets in Syria and Iraq, targeting those Iranian proxy forces, the bases where they store the rockets, the drones, the command and control, and that is what they're going to be focusing on. That's what we're understanding now. That's what we're hearing. Retaliatory U.S. airstrikes against targets in Syria and Iraq. This is an unfolding story. We'll be all over it for you. Don't worry about a thing. Dr. Victoria Coates will be here in about 10 minutes so we can talk about it with her and figure it all out. So anyway, I think about... I think about the eye of the tiger in terms of, I think Trump's got it still. I really do. I think he's got it and heading into 2024 big time. I think he's back on his game. I think he's ready to go. I think he's ready to fight. Interestingly enough, Joe Biden is now calling for national unity. Yeah, my buddy James Bovard sent a great piece from the New York Post. Bovard was on, he wrote the book um, Last Rights about the assault on our liberty. And he wrote a piece in the New York Post about this. He said, Biden speaks of hell at the national prayer breakfast. His speech certainly was. And I'll, I'll talk to you about that as well. Plus, Jordan Peterson is facing a almost certain cancellation by woke Canada. And the other question is, is the Transportation Security Administration now with their new facial recognition technology, is this going to be the latest security theater absurdity that we all have to deal with as American citizens? You bet. I'll give you details on that as well as the show unfolds today. I'll tell you about our friends at Cherry Hill Volvo because I'm so grateful for our wonderful relationship with them. They are the absolute best. On Route 70 in Cherry Hill, simply nobody better than the wonderful people at Cherry Hill Volvo. I'd love for you to go see them today. Judith, Yosef, the entire team, they'd love to see you. They'll take great care of you. And remember something, we broadcast live from the Cherry Hill Volvo studios every single day. In this day and age of cancel culture, like what Jordan Peterson is facing, Judith Krupnik doubled down. She said, I want the studio naming rights. And that's what I mean. You should stand with them as well. For example, the S-Class, beautiful S-Class, made right at their plan in South Carolina, thousands of American jobs. The XC90, the third row SUV, 
The new family car, forget the minivan. This is a beautiful, stylish SUV. Or perhaps you want to do a certified pre-owned Volvo. Either way, at Cherry Hill Volvo and Route 70 in Cherry Hill, they'll take incredible care of you. They're the region's most accessible Volvo dealership, minutes over the bridge in Cherry Hill, and there for you today to give you the luxury experience that you deserve. Great people dedicated to a great experience. Now, they're undergoing a big renovation, but don't let that stop you. Because they have inventory and they're ready to find you the absolute best incentives they can to make sure you're getting the absolute best price on that Volvo with excellent financing available and also the Care by Volvo lease program of which I'm part of where every five months you get the opportunity to try a different Volvo. So reach out to them today. And remember, they stand with us. They stand with Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, Cherry Hill Volvo on Route 70 in Cherry Hill, where relationships matter. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. She's also the Vice President of the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation and former Deputy National Security Advisor to President Donald Trump. She's Philly's own Dr. Victoria Coates. Hello, my friend. Thank you for joining me on an incredibly busy news, breaking news day. It's a heck of an afternoon, Rich. Good to be with you. And I know you're in high demand and you're about to be everywhere. So we're getting you first, which is huge. (laughs) Yes, yes, you are. Uh, And I think that this will be of great interest to to your listeners. It's 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 a pretty momentous day. All right. Now, we're getting different reports. But what what do you know so far that that is that is happening? What looks like happened were about eight strikes in Iraq and Syria, pretty much that border area between the two countries. Uh, This is pretty standard stuff. It's what you would anticipate. Uh, And I'm I'm pleased that they are doing something. So I want to give credit where credit is due. I think the problem is that this was so heavily telegraphed. Uh, It was just called on a news network, the worst kept secret in Washington, which means it was the worst kept secret in Baghdad and Damascus and Tehran as well. So I think, I think they had the bad guys had plenty of time to move assets and personnel uh, out of the danger zone. And so we'll have to wait, uh, you know, for some number of hours or days to find out what, what actually was destroyed. But, you know, I think, I think we may wind up without, too much to show for this particular round. So it's 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 theater basically is what is what we're watching here. It's just it's a retaliatory theater. Well, it, it does seem to be messaging. I mean, the the 
both the president and the secretary of defense and and actually all of them have been emphatic that they do not want to start a war, that they don't want to go too far. They don't want to do something too provocative. Uh, So so I it it would surprise me if we got much of substance. And I think what illustrates that is the confusion that we've been going through over the course of the last 45 minutes. I think Matt and I texted like 15 times. You know, it's on, it's off, it's on, it's off Uh, because the Pentagon couldn't get their story straight. Uh, so that that all came through Jennifer Griffin, who's the thoughts reporter, who's the normal Pentagon source. And I mean, that's how things work. You know, shortly before an operation starts, two officials contact Jennifer, tell her what's going on. And she then gets the first report of it for Fox. And she did that at the top of the hour. Then she retracted. Then she reported it again. And so, I mean, they can't get their story straight. And that that makes me pretty nervous. Now, if if. The goal here is not to start a war, but obviously you have a lot of people who are saying you have to do something. We need to do something. And some some people, you know, go far further than others in terms of what they're looking for here. But is this going to accomplish, I guess, the goal, which would be to get Iranian proxies to stop taking shots at us? Is that is this going to achieve that? Is Do you think? What happened tonight will not. Uh, they They are used to this. And and what may have caused the confusion is that the Israelis did some strikes in Syria as well uh, this evening and that that the Israeli strikes, people took them to be the American strikes. They weren't, but the American strikes started shortly thereafter. So, you know, others besides us do this fairly routinely. They call it mowing the grass. You know, they try to degrade and deter the, the terrorists, but certainly none of it has been enough to get them to stop. And if they don't stop, then th- then what? Because, I mean, if it, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is it, when people are saying there should be airstrikes, if we're going to if we're going to retaliate, we're going to retaliate, we're going to send a message. If it's if we warn them in advance, if, if, if these really are in, inconsequential in terms of what the effects are and they're going to keep coming, then doesn't it make sense to assume that this is going to escalate? Well, you know, that's. That's probably a pretty good bet. You know, the the Iranians have been escalating up to and you know, crossing what had been the president's red line of of killing U.S. service men and women. Um, you know, and that that was supposed to result in you know in a con- conclusive gesture. And and you know, in terms of things you could do short of strikes in Iran, which. You know, that is a very heavy, heavy step, and you might not want to make that your first step. I understand that. But the other piece of this puzzle is Hezbollah in Lebanon, another uh, Iranian proxy. What you could do is is uh, do some very serious but targeted strikes against Hezbollah leadership, which would send the signal that we don't really differentiate between their proxies the way they don't differentiate between the Americans and the Israelis. Uh, and I don't see why we would give them that kind of plausible deniability. So so that could be something that that would be stronger than what we've done before more routinely and would send a very clear message that, hey, we can reach out and touch you guys and you better knock this off. Mm-hmm. We can reach out and touch you guys and you better knock this off. And and, and if they don't knock it off, I, I guess I have no confidence in Joe Biden. I don't think anybody does. 
I, I think everybody thinks that, that he's completely useless, and uh, Lloyd Austin disappeared, and it seems like John Kirby is making all the decisions right now, or at least he's the only one speaking on this, and it's almost amazing that we're doing all this, and the President of the United States has yet to say anything, has yet to come to the podium, yet to address the nation from the Oval Office. I mean, all that is a, is a political uh, disaster, I think, for them, and a missed opportunity, because he's the Commander-in-Chief. But what I'm worried about here is I'm worried about I keep hearing people on television say we keep knocking out warehouses that mean nothing. We keep doing this. That means nothing. We keep doing this. That inevitably the Houthis, all these other groups are going to keep doing this to us and that there are going to be calls that we have to do something against Iran. And that is going to escalate into something more. That's that's what I think we're all concerned about, that, that this won't this won't do it. And so I guess the question is, you know, would it have been better to do something that is that is much more serious today to really send the message so that we know it's over versus something that is is not that that serious, in which case then they might think, all right, we can still mess with these people. I see. I don't know. And that's what I'm worried about here is that. I keep hearing people say with Iran, you have to be very definitive. You know, Trump goes in and kills Soleimani. They they back off. If you're not, they're going to keep coming at you and they're going to keep disowning it, but they're going to keep having their proxies come at you. How do we get away from that? What What's, what's the answer to that, Dr. Victoria Coates? Is there an answer to that? Unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be an answer for at least a year. Uh, I think you need new leadership. And I concur 100 percent about the president. It's why it's we at the Heritage Foundation have had, among other reasons, but a fundamental reason we've had so many problems with their approach to Ukraine is we have no confidence in the president. Mm-hmm. You know, I might want to defeat Vladimir Putin. I might spend significant money to defeat him, but that's not what he's doing. And, you know, again, we're drifting into a quagmire in Ukraine because we've been on this very timid scale, not trying to defeat Putin, but just trying to drag this out and not lose. So unfortunately, I think we see that pattern repeating. I mean, what I would have advised had I been in the White House is, you know, when these attacks started in October, you know, be prepared, you know, that that at some point, if they keep going, they're going to kill Americans. And when they kill Americans, that's, you know, and that's when President Trump took his action. I, I don't disagree with that as a tripwire, but be prepared with a very serious option actually a series of them, and the president will choose which one he wants. It doesn't even seem like they were prepared. It took them almost a week to even start this. And as you said, it's certainly not the kind of definitive activity that will stop. I mean, I think the Iranians would have a vested interest in launching an attack over the next day or so, retaliatory attack, to show that they haven't been deterred or degraded. Uh, so, so I, I think your concerns are unfortunately perfectly justified. What what a mess. I mean, what a mess. Dr. Victoria Coates is with me. It's great to have her here on this breaking news day as the United States launches retaliatory strikes on dozens of sites in Iraq and Syria against Iran-backed targets. Dr. Coates, of course, is the vice president of the Davis Institute for Foreign for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation and a former deputy national security advisor for President Trump. Explain to us the significance of Syria and Iraq here. As people are listening to this and they keep hearing about Iranian-backed, Iranian-backed, and we're hitting targets in Syria and Iraq, not Iran, explain to us why that is. Yeah, this is this is basically the Iranian sphere of influence that they've developed in the Obama and the post-Obama period when they basically infiltrated Iraq, created these 
uh, Shia militias. And then the Obama people actually partnered with these militias uh, to fight ISIS. And so what you wound up with was a situation where we decided the enemy of the enemy was our friend, that maybe we could partner with the Iranians. It was during the time of the negotiations for the, the nuclear deal under President Obama. And, you know, it, that turned into a disaster. What it means today is because we so heavily subsidize the Iraqi military and give, you know, ongoing financial aid to it, and they pay these guys salaries, we are essentially paying for these people who attacked and killed our people. And, you know, that's the reality on the ground in Iraq. It's not any better in Syria, where Lebanese Hezbollah has taken a very strong position in support of the dictator Bashir al-Assad. He has managed to hang on now for 10 years when we thought he was going to be toppled uh, a decade ago, and he was not. And so he's, he's still there, very, very firmly entrenched and partnering with the Iranians who, like Iraq, exert command and control over that country. And so if if we somehow try to do this dance, as Politico was reporting yesterday, that, oh, the Iranians really don't have control over these people, you know, then then you're you're taking your eye off the ball. You're not seeing clearly who your enemy is. And, you know, this this entire mess uh, can just get worse and worse. Can I ask you, and I'm not suggesting that we should, in, in no way am I saying that we should, but if we were to attack Iran, if we were to, not, maybe attack's the wrong word, but if we were to retaliate against Iran, if we were to bomb them in some way, what happens? I know that everybody's nervous about starting World War III here, but what what could happen? Does Iran have nuclear missiles? Does, does, does Russia get involved? Does China get involved? I mean, how would it, an attack actually against the Islamic Republic of Iran play out? Well, and I'm the last one to accuse you of being a warmonger, Rich. So I don't. <laughs> Thank you. I, don't I appreciate. Think, <laughs> Thank you. I don't think it's you're, an emotional you're day for me, that. though, because uh, since Carl Weathers died, I am looking for a fight. I know. So I know. You know. Oh, it's a very sad, sad day for Philadelphia. But uh, I think you know what historically has happened. If you punch the Iranians, is that they back down and they do not, to our knowledge, possess a functioning nuclear weapon at this time. So, and I think that is accurate. They may be on the verge of it, which is, you know, something to to take into consideration, but they they almost certainly do not write write this minute. And so, you know, and the other thing about Iran, which is important to remember, is they are not 100 feet high and invincible. They have very severe internal problems. Uh, Their economy remains a basket case, even though they are getting the oil revenues. They don't do anything productive with it. They don't invest them. They don't improve infrastructure. They spend them on their military and their terrorist proxies, which keeps them in power. But the country is in, in dire straits. And so managing Iran should not be an insurmountable task for the United States of America and our allies. And and so you could do, you know, naval strikes, which is what President Reagan chose. You know, those in, you know, in the in the Arabian Gulf would be a very logical thing to do, not in mainland Iran proper, but showing American capabilities that they can't match. And Mm -hmm. that's really the point. You want to show them we can do things they can't and that we are willing to do them. And that's when I think they would logically back down. So what's the why then is, is the reluctance for the administration then to do something? What, what who, like what's the agenda here behind that, that they would say, let's not 
do something within the actual border of the Islamic Republic of Iran for the moment, at least. Well, as I said, I don't I don't know that it's necessary tonight. I think mm-hmm. as I, if you, you know, if you did do the Hezbollah strikes, if you went after actual Iranians who are present in all of these places, you know, the journal reported that the Iranian foreign minister attended one of the planning meetings for the October 7th attacks in Beirut. So they're there. We know where they are. You know, bomb a building that has a bunch of Hezbollah and IRGC folk in it and see how they like it. You know, that's in Lebanon. You don't. And then, you know, you do have a step you can take. You're not you're not starting with all your aces on the table, which is never a good move. But, you know, you, you are showing those exquisite capabilities that they don't have. And, right. you know, that's that's really, I think, the key message to be sending tonight. And, you know, we'll wait and see. Maybe I'm wrong. It's happened before. Uh, but it, nothing I've seen so far suggests that's the case. And when they say this is a multi-tiered campaign, which as I understand it is it, it starts in one phase and it keeps going, it could last several days, it could, it could get bigger, is, is that what we can expect here when they say it's a multi-tiered campaign? I guess, but you know, the problem there is under what authority are they undertaking this multi-tiered campaign? Uh, the president has very clear Article 2 authorities that when we are attacked, he can defend the nation, and that is appropriate, and that's what President uh, President Trump used uh, as a justification for the Soleimani strike. And so, you know, that that is, you know, within the law, and, you know, the Congress isn't going to question that. But I'll tell you, if we, we start getting into week two, week three of a very expensive bombing campaign that can drift us into a bigger uh, conflict, you're going to have just howls of rage from both sides of the aisle in Congress. And you know, it doesn't seem to me that much, if anything, has been done to lay the groundwork for either getting authority to strike the Iranians, which I don't think would be impossible even in Washington today. I mean, nobody likes what they're doing. Uh, and the American people deserve to know their representatives have been consulted, have been presented with a plan, and that the majority of them say, okay, go kill some Iranians. Uh, you know, I, I could see that deal being made, as I said, even in our current poisonous environment, but they, they are not doing that work. And on that point, I, I think people would would appreciate their elected representatives debating this. Certainly, I agree with you. Under, under the War Powers Act, the president is certainly acting within his authority at the moment. U.S. Central Command, they're saying now they struck more than 85 targets. Who else is, is in? Is it just the U.S. on its own right now? Is Britain joining in with us? Is anyone else joining in the fun here? <laughs> well, one other thing that concerned me is clearly we didn't know about the Israeli strikes tonight, and that's what created the communications confusion in, you know, in the initial reporting. You know, one would hope we were really lashed up with the Israelis, you know, sharing our you know, intentions and targets as much as we could. You know, God forbid there's some kind of mix-up or mess-up between us, that would be would be catastrophic. Uh, we did do one of our Syria operations in conjunction with both the Brits and the French, and so that is possible. The B-1 bombers that participated in this uh, came out of bases in England. So clearly, the Brits are at least aware. Whether they actually participated or not, I don't know yet. 
Yeah, we don't. There's so much we. I guess we just don't know, and it's going to develop throughout the afternoon. But but basically, right now, what we can probably maybe guess is that this is probably going to go on through the weekend. And they're saying now the U.S. believes Iran is nervous about some of its proxy groups, and that's the goal here. Obviously, is to make them nervous and to make them tell them to back down. And if they did that, if Iran did that, would they listen to Iran? Does Iran have that kind of control over these different proxy groups? Well, they do, because they, they can cut off the funds and the weapons, uh, and that can happen pretty quickly. And they also provide a lot of the organization, the command and control, as I said, because these, these are not, you know, elite fighting forces. They, you know, the Houthi don't organize themselves to fire off ballistic missiles on their own. They need that uh, that much more sophisticated support. So I'm glad the administration thinks the Iranians are nervous. I don't know. I mean, did the Iranians call and tell them how they're feeling? I mean, I don't know how you would know that, you know, within half an hour of strikes taking place. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's kind of curious. And, of course, not to anyone's surprise, they've already called a lid. They called a lid, I think, before 4 o'clock on the president's day. So, again, under normal circumstances, on a day when you're going to launch a military exercise, you wouldn't call a lid until, you know, it, it, it... it, it's just extraordinary to me that the president can't stir himself to come out at seven o'clock tonight and tell the American people what what has happened. Uh, it's it's it really unprecedented. And, you know, maybe they'll change. Maybe they'll, they'll take the lid off. But you know, they, they didn't have to do that. You know, you it would signal that, you know, it is it's not for certain, but it is possible the president will have something to say. And, you, have, you know, the networks can kind of prepare for that. But no, they, they called the lid. Which also and I know I know we don't talk politics with you, but I mean, just from a political point of view, <laughs> as you're running for reelection, just seems like a huge missed opportunity for the commander in chief in an election year to come out and speak. I mean, that makes zero political sense to me. Iran is reporting, apparently, Iranian official state news is reporting that at least 10 people have been killed so far in Syria, including three Iraqis. The report cites Syrian and Iraqi sources, and obviously those numbers will go up. Um, do you, and this will be the last question, because I know you got to run. I know you're going to be in very high demand. We'll be seeing you all over Fox News and the BBC and everywhere else in the next couple of days, Dr. Victoria Coates. But is this going to be one of those situations where we, 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 we launch, we wait, we see, we, we're there ready to strike again if we need be? Or is this just going to be days of pounding, or do we just, is it just too early to tell? It's too early to tell. I mean, certainly this isn't a kind of a Iraq war shock and awe uh, kind of campaign, which, you know, as a military exercise was extraordinarily successful, did exactly what Secretary Rumsfeld planned for it to do, which it just decimated Iraq and, you know, basically toppled the government. And that's what he had been asked to do. That's what he did. We could debate the wisdom of that with 20 years of hindsight. But but that, you know, that was the kind of action of which of which we're capable. And so. You know, I, I'd like to hear that something with Iranian DNA was killed. Uh, I would like to see some evidence that they've lost capabilities, that they don't have squirreled away somewhere else. And I'd like to see how they respond over the next 48 hours. And so, you know, we certainly will know a whole lot more next Friday. Uh, so hopefully some of it is good news. Um, I feel like I always come on and spout a lot of bad news. Uh, but but we'll we'll see, and the, certainly all of our servicemen and women who are participating in these exercises should be in our prayers. 
Well said. Well said, as always. Dr. Victoria Coates, we really appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you, and have a wonderful weekend. Thank you, Rich. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Oh, Henry. We can't fly. You're the best. You know, I'm, I'm really grateful that uh, Dr. Coates came on because she answered a lot of questions I had, including, I mean, there was a story here today, for example, that said um, the terror groups are evacuating their positions. There's questions of whether or not Tehran, Tehran even has full control over these groups. There was a story from Politico saying U.S. officials estimate Tehran does not have full control of its proxy groups. Now, that may be one of those stories that's put out there as a fugazi to deflect. I think Dr. Coates answered that question by saying, well, Iran can certainly cut off the money and the, and the munitions. So that's a key point right there. Obviously, we'll have to watch as all this. I had other things to ask her about Ukraine and UNRWA and everything else. But, you know, I mean, literally the bombing started moments before Dr. Coates joined us. So we were very, very lucky and fortunate to have her and her brilliant analysis uh, at the perfect time. I mean, truly at the perfect time. And there's no one better than Dr. Victoria Coates, except we do have our very own on the ground reporter, and I want to thank Jacques Gary for reminding me that we have our own Zioli Show official Middle East correspondent. And this is the latest report we have from her. Take a listen. I think they're blowing it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, Dr. Victoria Coates, one, Mama Zioli, two, in terms of on a day, who, you, who you'd want on a day like today. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> Victoria Coates, as good as it gets in terms of foreign policy, but Mama Zioli is on the ground. Yeah, I mean, she's on the ground. She's very, very, she got a front row seat to this. Uh, she's in Turkey, I believe, right now, so she can see all this happen. And um, w- once again, the update from Mama Zioli. I think they're blowing it up. Yeah, I think she's right on that. So we'll follow, we'll monitor this as we continue throughout the show. 855-839-1210. Coming up, Dr. Wilford Riley will join us as we talk about all things are woke, including the intersectionality canard. Coming right back. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at 5 30 minutes of non stop talk with Rich Zioli. It's Groundhog Day. Happy Groundhog Day. We're going to get an early spring. Thanks to Puxatani Phil. We all owe him a debt of gratitude. We're mourning the loss of Carl Weathers. And we are watching right now as the United States of America carries out retaliatory strikes in Syria and Iraq against Iranian-backed forces, which this could last for days, we're told. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210. On Twitter, at Rich Zioli. I want to remind you, Wednesday night is our big event with author Terry Hayes, his book, The Year of the Locust. And his first book, I Am Pilgrim, was one of the absolute best books I've ever read in my life. Uh, You're going to love the event with with Terry Hayes. So join us. Just go to 1210WPHG.com to get your tickets today, and I'll see you Wednesday at 7 o'clock in Wayne, PA. But joining us now is the author of the forthcoming book, Lies My Liberal Teacher Told Me, Dr. Wilfred Riley. Hello, doctor. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Good to to be on the show. 
Are you happy that we're going to have an early spring? Do you trust the groundhog? Uh, no. I mean, it's just a rodent. I have, I have no idea. Yeah. You know, I didn't know today was Groundhog Day, actually. So uh, you you were the first person I heard mention that. But you, um, you didn't send out your Groundhog Day cards. No, I didn't. Didn't really do anything special for Groundhog Day. Really, it's <laughs> not a not a not a big holiday in this part of the country. But um, you know, hopefully there will. In Kentucky, we haven't really had much of a winter. Actually, it's been very climate changey. It snowed once. So I, 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 you know, I actually am inclined to believe the, the, the marmot or whatever. Yeah, well, in Pennsylvania, it matters to us, obviously, because Pukistani Phil yeah. is one of our own. And, uh, you know, you go to Gobbler's Knob, so it's what you do. Let yeah. me ask you another question, too, while I have you. Carl Weathers, uh, well, besides Rocky, what is he going to be best remembered for? I mean, that's that's what I, I really remember him for. I mean, he was obviously Apollo Creed. I mean, he was in all all four or six or whatever, the Rocky movies. You know, he made some cameo appearances, and now, I mean, I think it's the three Creed movies. So, I mean, probably 70% of his cinematic avoir that I've seen is, uh, is that series of films. And, I mean, people back home in Chicago were kind of shouting him out and saying dumb stuff, like, I'm going to pick a fight with an Italian guy in his honor. <laughs> but he was definitely <laughs> he was definitely a pillar of kind of men's action cinema. So R.I.P. to to big Carl Weathers. Apparently, also a patriot, and a funny guy. Like gave a lot of money to charity, that kind of thing. So super yeah, super was, sky point to Carl Weathers. And he was also very funny. I mean, he was great in Happy Gilmore and Arrested Development too. I thought he had some, oh, yeah, some great right. roles in that. Uh, but yeah, let's he, talk about. Yeah, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, yeah, he he definitely, I mean, as, as one of the non-lead characters. So, I mean, there are a lot of those guys that were great, like slightly better than character actors that were around in the game for many, many years. And he, he definitely was one of them. So, I mean, his presence will will be missed. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, all right, now let me ask you this. So, uh, you wrote a piece in National Review, the intersectionality canard. First of all, when we say intersectionality, which, as you write, is just a badly done woke version of regression analysis, what the hell are we talking about? Well, there, there are a lot of different things there. So, first of all, regression analysis is this. I mean, these days it's all done on computers, but is this statistical technique of looking at the impact of one thing on another thing, like income on happiness, with everything else adjusted for. Like, there's a way using a program called Stata to hold steady, like, are you married? Are you black or white? Are you male or female? How old are you? So on. So you can just look at the impact of that, that single variable income, and then you can move down to the next variable. And this is all printed out in a neat, what we call outputs ta- output table or results table. So that's really how you do statistical analysis. And there are actually ways to do more than this. I mean, you can do what's called a time series, what's called a logit model, like an actual professor or general or statistician, like someone who's, who's good with these models can do, can do a lot of things. Like we actually generally know what we're talking about. But a lot of what we call woke research doesn't do this. Like they don't, we would say they don't control for anything. So what you'd see in kind of like the Ibram Kendi school of of science, I don't really just want to pick on this guy, but I mean, like someone will look at a difference between black and white people when it comes to mortgage rate acceptance. And they will find that both rates are quite high, but they'll find that black men are accepted for mortgages 69% of the time. And white men are accepted for mortgages 85% of the time. And they'll just sort of say that's racist. Like, what could that be but racism? 
And a lot of people have pointed out for years, well, that could be almost anything else. Like, white guys have better credit. And that, that's not because of racism. It's because black men as a community tend to be more urban. Some of us have a spending problem. Like, there are, there are practical reasons for that. So you have to be able to adjust for that to actually find any effect of racism. Intersectionality is kind of an attempt to do what I just said, but it takes into account only sort of woke variables like race, sex, are you gay? So I kind of said that just comparing blacks and whites doesn't do anything at all. And comparing blacks and whites and then adjusting for like, are you gay, doesn't really do anything. If you actually want to look at whether racism exists in society, you have to compare people and you have to look at like their credit scores, their crime rates. Are they married? You have to actually make sure you're comparing the same people. And it's actually pretty difficult to do that. So I give some advice on how to do that. And I say, you know, for young people who want to be academics or business people, this is, this is what you would do. And what would you do? Give us some advice. Well, well, you would you would compare the identical people. So if you're if you're looking at and this is again to the triple O G Tom Soul, who fortunately uh, thank God is still with us. Yes. But I mean, you would you would basically like if you're looking at police shooting rates and you're comparing whites, African Americans, and Hispanics. What you would do first is look at median age, and you'd put that into the model, like median age for each group. Um, you would look at the crime rate. So the black crime rate, partly because of age, is about 2.4 times the white crime rate. And there are big differences between cities and the country. It's three times as much crime in the city, whatever your race is. So you'd have to adjust for all this stuff. Like, are Hispanics more likely to live in cities where there's a higher rate of crime and so on? And you would then you'd, you'd press a button, you'd type in the word reg, and you would, you would see what the results were with everything adjusted for. And when people have actually done this, like Roland Fryer, who is the youngest black man ever hired at Harvard University, actually did this in a very famous paper in 2016. Like he looked at whether white or black men were more likely to be shot by cops. But he committed kind of a cardinal sin to the people who are funding this project. And he actually adjusted for stuff. So he looked at whether the defendant had a gun, you know, or is there an encounter with the cop? How dangerous is the person? He was like an education and income proxy, you know, the pictures of people. He did all kinds of crazy stuff. And he found that white guys were actually 27% more likely to be shot than African-American guys. So that was the result after you did the quote unquote regression, after you included all the adjustments. If you didn't include the adjustments, you would always find that black men were twice as likely to be shot as white men. Because there are proportionately more stops of black men because we're much younger, we're more urban, we're more working class, and so we commit more crime. So I guess the point is you need to take all that into account. And we now, because we have these computers in our pockets and on our desks, we now have the ability to do that. So a lot of what we thought we knew is kind of worthless. Yeah, and, and, and I think that, um, as you as you put it, you know, there, there's a, a, a drive by the left out there. They, they want to scream that there's racism, that America's a racist country, America's a sexist country. They want all these things, and they want to push all these things out. And they they don't they don't want to actually look at the data of anything, because when you start doing that, you get into the narrative of this and you bring up in your piece. And it's an excellent piece. You bring up Heather McDonald, for example, as she's mm-hmm. pointed out for decades now, you know, the crime rate for black Americans, certainly before we adjust for age or sex ratios or living in miles, spires, cities instead of green acres, is as you point out, about two point five times that for whites. She also talked about. 
you know, this myth that that African-Americans are getting gunned down by police, as you just echoed from that other study. And and this is the problem, right? Because the minute you start actually putting out st- the correct data, that narrative blows up. And when Charlemagne the God is sitting there with Nikki Haley trying to convince her that America is a racist country, if you don't if you if you don't actually look at the the statistics and the data and you just go with that 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 feeling that narrative that that sense of it has to be true um it becomes difficult to push back on because they'll they being you know the people that are pushing the narrative whether it's the corporate media whether it's the government or whoever whoever's in charge they they want to ignore the factors that get in the way they want to ignore any of the other factors that get in the way to your point about you know whether the person had a gun or something like that whether the person and they want to argue that there's privilege that exists and certain people have privilege i mean disney had this privilege wheel disneyland you know you might be privileged if you are in there and they list all these things and they want to push it out there and they want to make it very very simple not so people can understand it. They want to make it simple so that they can advance a narrative that, yes, America is a racist country. America is a, a sexist country. America is a country that that if you are not born a white person, you don't have the ability to succeed in this country. I mean, is that is that a pretty fair way of putting it? Yeah. No, I mean, first of all, one of the things that's funny is that they always ignore class when they do this stuff. So, I mean, like you might be privileged if you just at random took your girl or your son to Disneyland. Like right. that's. That's, that's rarely taken into account. You're standing in front of a three-star hotel in the Magic Kingdom spinning yes. an ivory wheel. You're probably doing okay. Like, yeah, that's not if what you I can afford to take your family but, to Disney World, you, yeah. congratulations. <laughs> You're privileged. Well, well done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's not – for that amount of money, that's not the vacation I would pick as opposed to, like, Spain – but I mean that you're you're doing fine if you're you're a black guy standing there with three kids you're you're okay you'll make it, um, but beyond that though yes I I think that the the general way this is defended is and Nikki Haley got a little bit of this if you what you're going to do or what you're going to hear you're just going to be confronted with the fact itself like do you deny that black people are like Cory Bush did this the other day, three times as likely to be the victims of in-home intimate partner violence. And if you try adjusting for anything, like if you say, well, black people are also 20 years younger than white people, and almost all the people responsible for that are other black people, you're just going to get this angry defensive reaction that doesn't answer your question. And the way this will often be phrased is like, do you think there's something inferior about us? Do you think there's something about us that makes us have kids young, that makes us kill our women? And the answer is no. Like, I don't think there's anything genetically inferior about West Africans. I mean, Nigerians are West Africans. I mean, the Irish, the Italians, the other half of my background, you know, um, the Scotsmen used to have very high crime rates. But that doesn't change the point that there are a lot of other explanations that you can throw out there. Just as there was a problem in the Irish-American community, there is a cultural problem in the black community now. Like, age is a reality. Like, if you're 20 years younger than your competitor, you're going to be more involved in crime. Living in cities is a reality. So what they'll try to do is pull you into this sort of trap. Like, okay, you don't think it's racism that causes these crime rates. What do you think? I'm an animal. And the answer is what I just said. It's like, no, I think we know how to do regression. So, like, on average, you, quote, unquote, and, you know, I'm not talking about you, my buddy at the park or whatever. But on average, I think your group is 
younger. I think you have more of a hostility toward the police. I think you live in bigger cities. And again, when you put like we know this, it's not my speculation. Like when we put these three or four things into the computer model, the crime gap totally closes. But so does the police shooting gap. So there's nothing inherently negative about black people. But there's also and this is important. There's nothing inherently negative about white people. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. But like the idea that all white people are racist and that's why there's there are issues in every big city and in every minority community that itself is crazily racist. Like, why do I beat my wife? White man made me that that's not realistic at all. Right. Right. White man. White man. Uh, Yes. Uh, Dr. Wolf Riley, today, the American Psychological Association, or at least this week, claimed that hiring the most qualified candidate might be unfair based on one of its most recent studies. The study titled, Can Selecting the Most Qualified Candidate Be Unfair? Examine people's perceptions of merit-based hiring after learning more about the socioeconomic status of potential workers. While previewing the results, it argued that hiring the most qualified candidate could contribute to more inequality. And this is what they said, quote, fairness, uh, heuristic theory suggests that as long as people consider selection processes such as hiring and promotion to be meritocratic and fair, they may continue to accept ever increasing levels of income inequality. Yet in reality, inequality and merit based decisions are deeply intertwined. First of all, I love how they have to use big words for really no reason here. Bottom line is this. They're saying, I think, as I interpret it, forget the most qualified person. You got to fill in the DEI gaps here. And it doesn't matter if the person is the most qualified or not. But I don't know. I mean, if I'm getting on a flight, I want to make sure the pilot's the most qualified possible if i'm about to get open heart surgery i want that surgeon to be pretty qualified i don't i don't really care if this is if that guy was hired or that woman was hired because of some socioeconomic disadvantage that we're trying to make up for well i I think there are two things here because this is kind of interesting like i actually very much am a pro-merit conservative all this but like i also grew up in a working class neighborhood and i think we all know that to some extent if you go into an interview there's that whole book dress for success that every young executive read in the 90s like if you show up without a tie you're 80 percent less likely or whatever to get hired so i i have no doubt that there are and most of us by the time you're an adult can get over this barrier but i have no doubt that there are socioeconomic not racial qualifiers that they use like are you fat i hate to put it that way but like do you look lazy like is your suit rumpled you didn't get to the dry cleaner that day like i i've made some decisions like this as a boss not the first one but i mean yeah i'm pretty sure that happens that's separate from is merit hiring possible? And I, I think that there are a lot of ways to get around even what I just said. So like in the majority of positions, merit hiring is possible and it's probably 90% of hiring. Like who should you hire as a pilot? I mean, to be a pilot, to pilot a passenger plane, you have to have 1,500 hours in at least a simulated cockpit. So who are the best pilots? They're the pilots that have done their 1,500 hours with the fewest crashes. Like it's actually really easy to figure out most of the time. Like, who are the merit admits to college? They're the people with the best test scores plus the best grades, give 50 points for varsity athletes and band members. It's not hard at all to set up some kind of a reasonable scale and follow that. So, I mean, I, I think on the one hand, like, did, is it an advantage to be 6'5"? Yeah, probably. But can you hire based on merit? Yes. And, like, whenever possible, obviously you should. You don't need... I don't. I don't really like if all the doctors in the cardiac ward are Pakistanis, but they're all really good. Like I'm, I'm cool with them working on my heart. As long as they're really good. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's the same thing for white doctors, black doctors, whatever. But, I mean, like, you don't, you don't want the C-minus doctor. You don't want the guy who just barely squeaked through, like, you know, eastern whatever state medical school. You know, I, I saw you tweeted out earlier today that the New York Times is finally acknowledging when it comes to gender transition, as it's called, um, that gender transitioners were never actually really asked the question, why do you want to transition? They were It was never really probed what other factors could be at play here. It's just almost as if they come in, they say, all right, I want to I want to change my my I want to go from being a man to a woman. And they just go, great, you know, sign the form and let's get this done. And that's a real problem because it's something you really you can't reverse here. You know what I mean? They, they yep. chop it off. It's, it's kind of hard to put it back on. Yeah. Yeah, the, this is – so I, I think a couple things there. First of all, I describe this as what I call normie lag. So I've noticed for years now that there's this process. This started out for me on Facebook. Then I moved with my then my partner to uh, Instagram briefly. I'm not really the type to post, like, swimsuit photos, though. But then Twitter. And, you know, you see these debates between kind of like the crazy dissident right and like the intellectual dark web, Sam Harris and Ben Shapiro – the feminists, the true left, actual tanky communist guys, and people say the craziest but most brilliant stuff. And then four years later, you'll see it on the Bill Maher show. So that was my first comment on, like, this is just like normie lag in the flesh. This is what, like, everyone's angry feminist friend said four years ago when guys started trying to be women. The second point is that the tolerance of the trans youth movement, adults, in my opinion, really can't do what they want with their bodies. There are people with gender dysphoria. But the tolerance of the trans youth movement was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Like these kids who obviously were dealing with severe mental trauma, like they were former teenage sex workers, like sex abuse victims, like people who would have been goth in any other era with like cut scars down their arms. They were showing up and saying, like, I'm absolutely sure I'm a boy. And doctors were giving them these hard body drugs. Like, I mean, if you ever played high school sports, you get kicked out of the school if you take pure testosterone. They're giving it right. to like 15 year old girls. Yeah, you know, they're giving it to like 15 year old girls. Girls are growing beards. Like, it was an, an unusual moment in time, let's say. And now a lot of the girls who grew beards, like my friend Preacher, for example, or like Luca Hine, they're just normal, attractive women. They've detransitioned. But they have all these crazy side effects. Like, Luca has this deep voice that is thinking about singing professionally. Like, it's all this stuff that was done to them. People had their breasts removed. Like, full-on double mastectomy, like, knobbed up scar tissue on their bodies. Like, so someone's kind of got to pay for that. Like, you're going to start seeing major suits pretty soon. um, And you're starting to see the first articles now. But it's catching up to what we've been saying for years. And I like your point on that. It, it, eventually, everything we're, we're saying <laughs> will be said in, in, in popular mainstream culture at some point. But I don't know why it takes so long. I, I guess because people think that it's too controversial until somebody like Bill Maher says it, maybe. I guess when he comes out and says it, I guess people get the cue that now they're allowed to talk about it. I think people are uncomfortable saying the obvious truth if it seems to disagree with what kind of the boss man says. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this goes back a long time. So, like, I went on social media the, the other day, and I was like, how can normal, like, working-class master craftsmen and upper-middle-class lawyers and so on say this crazy stuff? Like, it's hard to define a man. Are these the craziest things ever said throughout history? And people started responding to me with, like, things that Islam said in its early days or – like tenets of the early church or like 
how many gods there supposedly are in Hinduism. And they were the comment was, no, people have a natural tendency to be willing to act like they believe crazy stuff if armed leaders are saying it. And I, this is actually a point I'd make to the audience. Like, remember that you have that natural facility of logic. Like in Western culture, where we generally don't believe in the Hindu gods, we have this idea that any intelligent person can be a journalist. You can write a letter to the newspaper. 10,000 people can read it. Anyone can be a jury man. You can judge a professional lawyer, vote him up or down. And that, that same ability is with you every day. So if someone says something crazy, you might not speak out about it in public, but you should be absolutely aware that it's nuts. And I, I think that silent majority refers to the people that are absolutely aware a lot of this stuff is nuts. Like, if you defund the police, you'll get an increase in crime. That's another one. Or, like, if you relax the border, you'll get a lot of immigrants, some good guys, some bad guys. That's, that's another obvious point. It's just that you're not supposed to notice the obvious point. Mm-hmm. Like, well, like, like, if women um, are allowed, or, or, or if trans men are allowed to box women, or wh- whatever the hell the latest rule is that they just came out with, okay. it's going to be dangerous for women. It's not going to work out well for them. Yeah, it's just you have to use, you have to exercise logic. But I mean, again, I don't think this is crazier than what people used to believe. Like, without being crude, I mean, people used to believe that women who had certain types of orgasms were witches. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's just the, it, well, you never know. <laughs> I mean, there's there's obvious jokes there. But, uh, <laughs> Come on. <laughs> stealing souls. But, but no, like, the, the point, though, is that people have always been able, willing to believe crazy crap and by the way, that, that idea didn't come from male lords. It came from, like, the women's circle, like other women in society that, for whatever reason, were, were angry with these people. But, I mean, humans have a remarkable tendency to believe this crap. Like, oh, the mayor's wife said that. It must be true. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see two forces at work there. Like, one, you have to believe what mostly honorable leaders say to be able to do anything. Like when your master sergeant or your coach is like, okay, you see that big hill, run up it. You have to be able to put aside the facility of logic and be like, okay, sure thing, boss man. But you also have to be able, when you get home, to think about whether that was logical so you can evaluate you know, their performance as a leader for the next time. And you know, this has been one of those periods the past five years or so where we've, we've put that aside for a little bit. And we've, I mean, there's the COVID hysteria. I mean, obviously we lost more than 500,000 people. It's a great tragedy. There are 350 million Americans, however. Hopefully we won't do that again. Um, you know, it looks like we're now being kind of moved into another uh, international war. You know, you're, you're seeing some of, some of the hysterics around that. And in between, you see some of the stuff like the trans thing, police defunding. And every one of these things involves what a psychologist friend of mine, Pat Lockwood, calls a tulip bulb panic where people will just kind of put rationality aside for a while and just say dumb crap, like not one life, not one life over and over again, trans women or women. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, and, and, and then there's a whole group of people that will cheer them on for saying it, even though it's freaking nuts. Dr. Wilford Riley, always a pleasure. My friend order the book today. Lies. My liberal teacher told me, uh, have a great week and, uh, we'll chat again soon. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. It's the 5 o'clock happy hour on the Rich Seoli Show. Brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey. A premier full-service resort and conference center. Grand Hotel, Cape May.com.
All right. Now, the latest uh, on the U.S. strikes against Iran proxy groups, as we're following all this right now, uh, the U.S. is carrying out uh, strikes. Biden says if you are an American, if you harm an American, we will respond. Biden hasn't actually said anything. We haven't actually had the president of the United States come to the podium or or say anything. Obviously, if we do, we'll bring that to you. Uh, Mick Mulroy, a former Pentagon official in the Trump administration, said the U.S. strikes appear to be focused on Iranian supply lines running through Iraq and Syria. He said he believed it is unlikely many Iranian soldiers would have been killed because Iran had time to move its personnel out of harm's way because we obviously, they knew it was coming. So keep that in mind here as all of this unplays. And the defense secretary says this is the start of our response and this is going to last perhaps through at least the weekend And maybe longer. From a political perspective, though, it is still mind-blowing to me that they have such a a, a decomposed individual as as Joe Biden that the president of the United States of America can't come out and speak to the nation. Because this is a great political opportunity for them. You know, say what you want. I mean, being a wartime commander-in-chief, which has, I think, less bearing now because Americans are not— thirsty for war but if you come out and you say we're doing this right now to prevent a war and you sound forceful and you it could be a great opportunity to boost your poll numbers i'm just saying but they can't have biden do that because biden can't read biden stumbles over his words biden certainly can't take questions that's for sure so it's a friday it's 5 30 there's a lid already on the, on the White House, meaning that you're not going to hear. There's nothing. There's a, the lid has been shut. You're not going to hear from the president, the commander in chief of the United States military, which is insane. It's insane to think about that we are at that place. But here we are. So what we're getting is we're getting people who are giving us news bits and news news tips, but we're not hearing actually from the commander in chief of the armed forces who has authorized all of this, who's running for reelection. Think about that in an election year when this is now going into the weekend, what is going to last throughout the weekend? I I mean, it's possible he may come out at some point and say something during the weekend. But as of right now, as the start of this, don't expect an Oval Office address. Don't expect the president to come to the podium because it ain't happening. And that's the big story of the day today brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. My dentist, my friend, the master of dental implants. Go see him today for your perfect smile, VenariaDental.com. Coming up, the latest on this uh, U.S. response and also to the illegal immigration problem in new york city where these illegal immigrants beat up cops they were let go what is the blowback of that going to be and i want to thank our friends at cooper university Healthcare, south <coughs> excuse me south jersey's leading academic health system they are the best that's where we go this is the only family we trust cooper and you should too there's the md anderson cancer center at cooper where they are doing life-saving work on cancer the latest state-of-the-art cancer care there's the cooper neurological institute where they're doing life-saving work on stroke dementia alzheimer's giving people their life back and with more than 75 specialties including advanced surgical care pediatric care, primary care, and yes, Cooper's urgent care, where you're going to see the very same doctors and nurses who are on the front lines at the region's number one level one trauma center for all of your everyday urgent care needs. So reach out to Cooper today. Just go to cooperhealth.org or 1-800-8-COOPER to get an appointment. It's where I had my surgery. 
to where baby Reagan was born, and it's where the Zioli family goes for all of our medical care, whatever the issue is, from pediatric to primary and all the specialties in between. Cooper is advanced, it's complete, it's committed, it's compassionate. CooperHealth.org. The Zioli Show, on your schedule. From Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. It's Groundhog Day! But thanks to Buxatani Phil, we will have uh, an early spring. Although uh, climate change is affecting his accuracy, according to um, some reports. That's a real thing, believe it or not. It's a real, actual thing. Groundhog Day, Pakistani Phil predicts early spring, but this one post that Johnny Cook retweeted, thank you, uh, Johnny. They actually put the following. Buxatani Phil did not see his shadow on Groundhog Day, calling for an early spring. Climate change is affecting Phil's accuracy in predicting an early spring or prolonged winter. Meteorologists at the National Weather Service's Climate Prediction Center forecast above average temperatures and potentially warmer conditions, suggesting a winter that hasn't lived up to its name. Yes, what a time to be alive. No doubt about it. Uh, the United States of America is uh, retaliating after three U.S. soldiers killed today. A uh, lot of people, a lot of tributes pouring in for Carl Weathers. And we have a lot to talk about in the political front as well. So we have a long show to go here. But I appreciate you being here. 855-839-1210. And on Twitter, at Rich Zioli, if you want to weigh in. I do want to mention, though, you know, we were at Parks Casino last night. I had a lot of fun. Um Last week spent a lot of time on the issue of Texas and the razor wire. That issue has not gone away. In fact, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is now sending the National Guard of Florida down to assist Texas. He uh, was on Fox News Hannity last night. He's going to he's going to actually send his National Guard to go down there and assist Texas on border security. Uh, this is uh, Governor Ron DeSantis from last night, cut one. We were the first. We set, we've sent people continuously since 2021. As soon as Biden reversed policies, as soon as he embraced an open border, we knew this was going to be a big issue. So we've responded to calls from Texas throughout the years. Uh, and then I think with this issue, with this wire and the fortifications, I just wanted to make sure if we could send additional personnel to help Texas put up as much of this wire or barrier as possible to be able to drive those numbers to zero. Well, I'm going to step up and do it. I think they're doing the absolute right thing by standing their ground. They have every right to defend the sovereignty of their state. And yes, we've seen massive numbers of people flooding New York City. We've seen crime, drugs, all that stuff is very significant, but it's also a fundamental issue. A country has borders. If you don't have a border, you are not a country. And Biden has failed at his duty as commander in chief uh, to make sure our laws are faithfully executed. So we have every right as states to band together and do the job that the federal government refuses to do. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, with razor wire comes people that get hurt on razor wire. Now, our buddy Newman Price on Twitter did something very nice for us. He um, he created a testimonial. So last week, of course, we unveiled the new law firm, the non-law firm of Moron and Moron to be able to handle people who encounter razor wire and get injured. We're very fortunate to have an actual testimonial now as we continue to serve the country and get people what they are entitled to, which is a large cash settlement. With that said, here is our latest campaign ad. Take a listen. 
Have you, or someone you know, cut themselves on razor wire doing something they were not supposed to do? Entering a place they were not supposed to be? Trying to escape a place they were supposed to be? If so, call America's largest razor wire injury non-law firm, Moron and Moron, and we can get you a large cash settlement. Here's an actual Moron and Moron non-client giving a fake Moron and Moron testimonial. The other day, I was, like, trying to break into my local dispensary, but it turns out they had the entire place surrounded with razor wire, like, up on the roof and everything, man. And I got totally hurt by trying to break in. So I called Moron and Moron, and these bros, man, they are righteous. They got me a huge cash settlement, man. And now I just spend my days just token on some kind bud and not a care in the world. Thanks, Moron and Moron. So don't wait. Call today. Moron and Moron, and we can get you what you deserve. A large cash settlement and the justice you deserve for being an absolute moron. Yeah, that's a good one. I think that's going to get some clients. I think the phones are going to start ringing today, in my opinion. <laughs> so, a lot of disclaimers in that, obviously, because Odyssey lawyers require it as much. Now, have you done the promo yet for our contest, Matt DeSantis and Henry? No, not yet. Well, what are you waiting for? We got a big canoe trip here. I thought we were doing it next week. We're going to start on Monday. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Kale and Company are giving away a seven-night Disney cruise. We are giving away a uh, recreation of the crossing of the Delaware with me as George Washington. And also a chance for a candlelit dinner around Camden with Terry Hatcher. Probably not Terry Hatcher. And uh, my friend Frank Stingy. So... It's definitely not going to be Terry Hatcher, but nevertheless, we'll probably put a like a like a, a picture of Terry Hatcher in a frame for you. So that contest, I need production. I need product. They have this fancy production for their Disney Cruise thing. I need the I need the same thing. We're working on it. You'll have it for Monday. You're and I need it to free. say it's not a national contest. I want people to understand it's going to be a Zioli Show listener who gets that amazing, amazing. Prize. I, I think it'll be pretty clear that this wasn't approved nationally. Yeah, you don't think other markets are going <laughs> to follow suit in that? No? Yeah. Not so much? I, yeah, I, th- I think the listeners will be able to figure out that this is a Zioli exclusive. Now, uh, Newman Price also put together another um, uh, razor wire idea for us and I, I like this too because you know we hear a lot of these commercials all day long when you listen to talk radio 1210 WPHD or really any other radio station and it, it you know, type timeshares you know the, the timeshare cancellation industry for example you hear a lot of that um, well we have another option for you uh, take a listen hi I'm not Chuck McDowell a few years ago, I was asked to cancel some razor wire for the United States government. And in the process, I formed what's now called the razor wire cancellation industry. Razor wire is the only thing you never know how much you're going to pay for and how much you're going to need. If you have a problem with razor wire, give me a call today and I'll help you out. <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty good. So, thank you, Newman Price. We have a lot, you know, there's a lot to, to add as we go on here because we're not going to give up getting people the justice that they deserve from moron and moron. Uh, Carl Weathers obviously passed away, and 
There's a Shooter McGavin from Happy Gilmore tweeted out a little bit of him singing from the movie. I forgot this when he played the piano. But since it's Friday and since it's Groundhog Day, and we're all sad that Carl Weathers passed us passed away, um, let's take a listen. We've only just begun to live lace and yeah, it's very nice, very sweet, absolutely. And of course, we are monitoring right now the uh, the, the strikes against Iran proxy groups. We're not going to have much to say on this for a while, and obviously, we're not going to hear from the commander in chief on this. Don't expect that anytime soon. Um, but it's probably going to last throughout the weekend. I, if you missed it, Dr. Victoria Coates was on. She answered a lot of great questions. Uh, it was excellent. She broke broke it down for us, and obviously, that will be podcast for you. If you missed it, you'll be able to hear and get the full the full details on that. And then we also have our on the ground Middle East correspondent. Well, the podcast is already up. Let's tweet that out, Matt, if we could. Uh, Let's tweet out Dr. Victoria Coates in case anyone missed it now. And we also have our Middle East correspondent on the ground in Turkey uh, who is monitoring the situation for us. She's reporting in, and this is the latest from her. I think they're blowing it up. Yeah, so thank you to Mama (laughs) Zioli for... Uh, being on the ground for us in, in Turkey. We, it was amazing we were able to get her there so quickly, quite frankly. You know what I mean? <laughs> G- given the budget that the show has. so. And I just want to say for the record that I am on Team Larry David. I'm glad he punched Elmo in the face. I'm happy he did that. And I think he speaks for all of us by punching Elmo in the face. So the other day, Elmo tweeted out uh, something stupid like, uh, you know, how's it checking in on everybody? And Biden tweeted out, tweet, re- retweeted it. And Biden said something and people made a joke about it's one puppet talking to another puppet. And so on the uh, on the Today Show, comedian Larry David, he was scheduled to appear yesterday morning for the Today Show on N- NBC. But he actually crashed the, the set a bit early. He shocked the host when he burst onto the scene and and he punched Elmo. And and this is after Elmo posted about emotional well-being. And this is what happened. Cut number nine. All right, let's go over to Alfred. Check of the weather. Oh, and not yet. Not wait, yet. wait, 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 Ask permission, ask permission before you touch people, Larry. Let's let's, let's get back on the couch and let's talk about how you're feeling. They would have canceled the show, Elmo. Larry Larry David apologized. Uh, He apologized for for knocking out out Elmo. Uh, Take a listen. And look at look at the camera and please and from your give heart a, give him a camera from, shot from where from yeah, your heart exactly. oh, okay right. go ahead we're ready what what organ are you talking about yeah, just, from your heart okay go ahead say you're sorry Elmo Larry I, I just want to apologize thank you Larry that's okay. very Elmo, big of you Elmo accepts your apology Larry thank okay. God thank what, what and that? Louis will you drop the lawsuit Elmo oh, accepts your apology Oh, yeah, he accepts it. Oh, okay, cool. Okay, thank you. Elmo. Oh, thank, thank, you. thank you. You are such a sweetheart. Thank yeah. you, Elmo. Yes. I, I wish he hadn't apologized. I think Elmo deserved it. I think he had it coming. Well, he, he went on Seth Meyers, I think, later that night and said, I'd do it again. So Good. Good. In my in my opinion, it's what it's what it's what was needed. It's what America needed was Elmo to get punched in the face. Punch so. a four year old in the face? No, Elmo's not a four-year-old. By well, yeah, his design—he is technically four years old. Well, he's technically a forty-year-old in a in a in a in a costume. It's true. 
So, spoiler, but true. You know, <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> it's real to some. Well, most people have problems. They're called mentally ill. I thought they were called children. <laughs> uh, oh, Sid, thank you, by the way, for uh, reposting. It was a it was a picture of uh, me on a canoe leading the Zioli Army across the Delaware in a recreation of Washington's crossing of the Delaware. So we do have some artwork we can use. Of course, we have to change some of the faces as, um, you know, the show has evolved. But nevertheless, we do have something to work with, thanks to Sid. So thank you for that, Sid. It was good to see you and Sarah last night at Parks Casino. White House is saying three facilities have been hit in Iraq and four in Syria. We do know that there was a Iran knew this was coming. This wasn't a surprise. And that was done deliberately. We're also being told this is going to last for several days. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just I'm amazed at the fact that we don't have any actual knowledge because we, we're not hearing from the White House, the president of the United States. We're not hearing from anybody. So everything we're getting right now, we're getting from news reports and from tweets and things like this. The United States is saying that the U.S. response will not end tonight. So this is going to be going on for quite some time. And we'll see what Iran does, if anything, if they do retaliate or not. We'll find out. But I also, I don't want to spend the rest of the show on this because I I got to talk about South Carolina. I got to talk about the politics. I got to talk about immigration. I got to talk about all those things with you. And I need to make sure that I, I get all those things in there before it's too late because we are almost to the weekend and it's been a crazy, crazy week. And like I said, it feels like Groundhog Day every single day of our lives. It feels like Groundhog Day as we talk about politics. But, oh, but I, I would be remiss if I did not mention, you know, whenever Dr. Wilford Riley comes on, I, I love talking to him because he, he he talks about the woke cancel culture and everything like this. Um, Jordan Peterson, who's going to come to Philadelphia soon, and we're going to try to get him on the show. He's, he's fantastic. Cal Thomas, who's a great conservative writer, wrote a wonderful piece in the New York Post about this, how Jordan Peterson is doomed to be a victim of woke culture. And I don't have time to get into all of it right now. We've talked about Jordan Peterson, Peterson a lot, but th- this is where we are right now. Is he's put out statements that the government doesn't like and now the government is canceling him because they don't like what he said and this is this is the point of what i was saying yesterday with regards to letting the government start monitoring speech on social media because canada has instituted this idea of of hate speech and arguing that if you are somebody like jordan peterson who's a psychologist and you you tweet out opinions that the the college or the state deems to be unbecoming of you because they argue it's bullying you'll lose your license your clinical license very similar to what they want to do by shutting people down if they disagree with the intelligentsia. And I want to remind you of that point because it's important to note. I also want to remind you that the TSA is uh, getting ready for another another uh, security theater absurdity. This is now that the, the TSA is rolling out controversial facial recognition technology at more than 400 airports. All right, so that's coming. As the border is wide open, as we have now, what, 300,000 people a month on average coming into the United States of America? When you, as an American citizen, go to the airport, you will have to be subject to facial recognition technology at the airports, okay? So I want you to know that because the security theater is not going to end. The kicker is the TSA estimates that it's going to take until 2040 to fully roll this technology out. But it's going to be a long time. They say that your face, your biometric data, none of that info is going to be collected. Let's also remember that the TSA was letting close to 80% of weapons, drugs, and explosives through 
which also is another reason why, in my opinion, the TSA is the absolute worst. It is the it is the epitome, in my opinion, of government ineptitude. No question about it. And the other thing I wanted to mention to you uh, before we go to the break on the show is that Joe Biden apparently believes that Donald Trump is one sick F. He apparently is telling people in private that Trump is is a is a sick F. This is the president of the United States saying this right now. He's described Trump to longtime friends and close allies as a sick F who delights in others' misfortunes, according to three unnamed people who've heard Biden use the phrase. Apparently, Biden also said that Donald Trump was an F and A hole. And Biden is, uh, don't forget, remember, he called Peter Ducey a stupid SOB during a hot mic moment. And Biden also said uh, a lot of other things. He's known for saying things like, you know, gee, damn it, how the F do you know this? Don't F and BS me, get the F out of here. So Biden has a temper. And, you know, the guy that everybody thought was going to reunite the country and bring everybody together from his basement, who's going to be a big, you know, big, nice guy and a sweet guy, that guy. Um, is a is a pretty foul-mouthed dude who says mean things about the people he doesn't like. But, of course, he also sticks his Justice Department on them, so nothing should surprise you. Nothing at all. And lastly, before we go to break, um, actually, I'll do this when we get back. Uh, there's a lot of outrage over what happened in New York City with the migrants. I'm going to talk about that. The illegal immigrants who are now... Pfft, out the wild, somewhere out there in the wild. We don't exactly know where. Uh, Dr. Mike Venari is a great dentist, a great friend of the show, a master of dental implants, and we are so happy uh, of all the great smiles he's given people. Because look, you deserve a great smile. A smile is something that can change your life. Your smile is everything. People look to your smile, and you deserve a great one, so why not go to my guy, Dr. Mike? Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. V-A-N-A-R-I VenariaDental.com. When it comes to complicated dental work, there's no one better than Dr. Mike Venaria. With two offices to serve you in Cinnaminson and Woodbury, let Dr. Mike and his amazing team give you the smile you deserve. Pediatric general cosmetic dentistry, pain-free root canal treatment if needed, it's all there for you. But where he really shines is the complicated dental implants. There's no one better. And if you've had an estimate for complicated dental implants or any other complicated dental work, please go see Dr. Mike for a second opinion. It's crucial that you do. V-A-N-A-R-I-A, VenariaDental.com, my friend, my dentist, and the master of dental implants, Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 WPHT Rich Zioli well it's Groundhog Day and we're going to get an early spring. The United States has launched launched airstrikes in Syria and Iraq. That's happening as we speak right now. It's Friday. Welcome to the show, our fourth and final hour on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for being here all week. A lot to chat about. 
as you can imagine. But I want to make sure that you know 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli. I want to make sure you know what's happening right now. The Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says that this is the start of our response. The president has directed additional actions to hold the IRGC and affiliated militias accountable for their attacks on U.S. and coalition forces. These will unfold at times and places of our choosing. We do not see conflict in the Middle East or anywhere else, but the president and I will not tolerate attacks on American forces. That was a statement put out by the Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin. He says we will take all necessary actions to defend the United States, our forces, and our interests. We have not heard boo from the White House. We've not heard from the Commander-in-Chief, and we won't because they've already put a lid on it for the day. Thank God we had access to our buddy Dr. Victoria Coates. She was on the show earlier today and um, really gave some tremendous insight. That podcast is up for you if you missed it. But right now, this is what we know. We know that there are these Iran-backed targets. We know that Iran knew this was coming. Everybody knew this was coming. I mean, literally, as it was coming, they knew it was coming. The United States military forces struck more than 85 targets. Targets, with numerous aircraft to include long-range bombers flown from the United States. The airstrikes employed more than 125 precision munitions, according to U.S. Central Command. They go on to say in their statement right now, uh, let's see the following here if I can bring it up. We're trying to get uh, a lot of this is breaking news. The facilities that were struck included command and control operations, centers, intelligence centers, rockets and missiles, and unmanned aired vehicle storages and logistics and it's also important to note right now that we the the iranian troops that were in the area they had enough no time enough lead time to leave the central command goes on to say that we attempted to end the munitions supply chain facilities of militia groups and their irgc sponsors who facilitated attacks against the u.s and coalition forces so the idea, I guess, is that they are looking to cut off the supply chain here of these Iranian groups. Now, there's also we have the USS Gravely, the USS Carney, the USS Laboon. These military ships are in the area, along with the USS Eisenhower along the Red Sea. Um, but as this has happened today, as this is all rolled out, it's very important that you know we have not heard from the United States Commander-in-Chief. We have not heard from the President, and, and we will not. Um, the United States is now saying these, this response could last weeks. So the question then becomes, and this is something Victoria Coates and I talked about at during the 430 portion of the show, at what point do you go to Congress and ask for authorization here? It's one thing for the president to act in the short term, but if this lasts more than a couple days, at what point do you go to Congress and ask for some authorization? And if this sustained military response could last for weeks, what does that going to mean? And what about escalation? And what about if this does escalate and this idiot's in the White House and this idiot is the guy who's clearly not in charge and not saying anything to reassure the American people? I mean, think about it. It's Friday night. We're, we're learning right now that the United States of America is is launching a retaliatory strike against Iranian-backed terrorists and militia groups, and we have not heard anything from the commander-in-chief as we go into our weekend. So, you know, if you're a parent and you've got a kid who's of the age of, of military service or if you're a parent who's got a kid who's in the military, you might be a little nervous right now, but it doesn't matter because you're not going to hear anything to reassure you. You're not going to hear anything. 
you're just not going to hear from the president. And just leaving out the, the situation right now with regards to military action and what that means, I also want you to know that from a political perspective, what an absolute waste for a guy who's running for re-election to not be out there and to be saying anything in an election year as the United States of America is now, you know, w- w- waging these military strikes. And I, I don't know about you, but I mean, this this could get very, very ugly here. This could get ugly. This this could escalate in a big, bad way. We just don't know. Um, and there were also strikes from Israel that happened. This is something that Dr. Coates told us that we didn't know about earlier. And the strikes from Israel that we didn't know the strikes were underway. So at first we heard that there were strikes. It turns out it wasn't us. It was Israel. We didn't know apparently that that was happening. So all this is happening. Uh, some other breaking news. A federal judge announces that the Trump January 6th trial in D.C. has been delayed indefinitely. The Trump trial judge... Uh, The Trump trial has now been delayed indefinitely. The trial was set to begin on March 4th uh, before the Super Tuesday presidential primary contest. It is it is it has been delayed now. This is a big deal. This is a big breaking story. March 4th, Super Tuesday. Nikki Haley says she's in till Super Tuesday. My question is, what happens on Disappointment Wednesday when Nikki Haley realizes that she loses everything? Will she stay in the race or not? But. Federal Judge Tanya Chutkin today, today, formally vacated the March 4th trial date, saying the court will set a new schedule if and when the mandate is returned. This is a big deal. This is a very big deal. Because as you know, federal appeals court is still considering Trump's claim of presidential immunity from prosecution for his actions in office. This is the big story of the day today. It's brought to you by Dr. Mike Venaria, VenariaDental.com. He's the best. Go see him today for your perfect smile, VenariaDental.com. So since the appeals court has not ruled yet... And we know that whatever the appeals court rules, there could be an appeal to the full court or to the United States Supreme Court. This 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 idea of a March 4th trial is never going to happen. So poor Jack Smith is not going to get his uh, his big wish for the year, which is to put Trump on trial before Super Tuesday. That's not it's not going to happen. It's over. Now, the, the judge has officially vacated that trial date. This is a big darn deal. It's a bad day for Trump prosecutors. Bad day. I'll get into the Fawny Willis stuff with you uh, in this hour as well. But, um, you know, Fawny admitted that, yep, she was uh, she was sleeping with the guy that she brought on to be the special prosecutor. And additionally, lawyers for Trump filed a motion urging the judge, and this is Chukin now in the federal trial, to pause proceedings against Trump in the January 6th case while his appeal is pending. Chukin said in December she doesn't have jurisdiction over the matter while it is pending. Bottom line is this. And a big win for Trump and a big loss for the special prosecutor. This trial is not going to happen on March 4th. Now, then the other question becomes, does it ever happen? Does it ever really happen? Because it may not. I mean, depending on the court's calendar and when the Supreme Court makes rulings on all this, if it gets too close to the election, it may never happen. It may never occur. So the Georgia case is done. It's over. I told you, and I'll get into more detail on that, but it's it's because of the conflict of interest. And now this Trump trial delayed for January 6th, meaning that that is effectively over as well. So there you go. The other thing, too, is as the United States of America begins this campaign in Iraq and Syria right now, and the commander in chief is nowhere to be found, we're not hearing from anybody. 
Um, nobody. I mean, Lloyd Austin hasn't come out. He issued a statement. I don't even think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Matt DeSantis, I don't, I don't believe that even the acting president, John Kirby, has said anything at this moment, has he? No, there's been no Kirby statements that I've seen, and I've been, I've been checking frantically. No, no, uh, n- n- nothing from acting President Kirby. <laughs> President Kirby has been silent. Now, have they reprogrammed the Femba Corinne Jean-Pierre to be able to, to comment on any of this? <laughs> I haven't seen anything from her either. But that's not surprising. If you were the Biden administration, would you want her to be the one explaining this to the American public? Probably not. No, definitely not. You got to do a software patch on that for sure. After she came out and and bumbled the whole thing about the three American soldiers who were killed in the drone strikes. Uh, So all this is happening right now, and it's just complete crickets from the White House. I want to apologize to my friend Minnie. Minnie, not Sid, Minnie did the artwork of me crossing the Delaware on the canoe, which is what we're going to use for our contest starting on Monday when we give you the opportunity for the keyword of the day to enter for a private canoe trip with me as we recreate Washington's crossing of the Delaware. All right? Or a candlelit cruise with Terry Hatcher. (laughs) Picture. <laughs> Terry Hatcher's picture. Okay? I want to make that point very clear as well. And to Henry's point, defending Elmo, which is what Henry's biography is going to be called, defending Elmo, <laughs> Sid points out that Elmo is actually 44 years old, not four, so you can punch him in the face. All right? I, I understand what you're saying, but he's still, like, eternally four. <laughs> Like, Big Bird's also, like, eternally, like, five or six or whatever. You know, I know all day today you've played the same Sonny and Cher song as, like, a joke for Groundhog Day. What do you mean? Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. It doesn't matter. I haven't noticed anything either. Nothing. It doesn't. It's fine. It's fine. It's all good. I just... I wanted you to know, though, I I took the microphone last night at Parks Casino, and I did a duet with my buddy Joni... And I changed the words to I Got You, Babe, and I just made fun of Joe Biden in the entire song. So, Is there a video of this? There is. Yo, you didn't get the video? No, somebody needs Sid, to send it to me. Sid took video of it, and we tweeted it out last night. I'll send it to you. Maybe we, Yeah, maybe we can play it on Monday. I don't know if we need to do anything with the audio processing or whatnot. We can clean it up a little. Might have to clean it up a little. We've already cleaned up so much. <laughs> but trying to find it i'm pretty i'm pretty sure that sid, sid could you re, could you resend that please and tag matt DeSantis and henry in it and if, i know you're listening so please do that yes yeah, i mean a dm sid that way I, I know i don't miss it yeah and we'll see if we can we can um you know we can actually get the audio of that because I, again i i would i would let share know that i because i did the share role last night we did it we did a little gender swap since we're you know modern times i would let share know except she blocked me on twitter <laughs> Did you ever figure out why she blocked you on Twitter? It might be because I made fun of her for how she dressed on the battleship in that If I Could Turn Back Time music <laughs> video. It's possible. I forget. <laughs> but in my opinion, I'm, I used to keep that on my Twitter bio. I may, I may add that back in. Right now, my Twitter bio is Afternoons 3 to 7 on Philadelphia's Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, filmmaker behind Cocaine White House Dogs. I may... I may edit that and say blo- proudly blocked by share or just blocked by share. Maybe I'll just do that since we're playing a lot of share today. You know what I mean? 
I just looked up, can I turn back time, and that outfit's pretty revealing. Right? It's it's hideous is really what it is. <laughs> I didn't need to see that much of Cher. Nobody did. Blocked by at Cher. There, I just updated my, my Twitter bio. Wonderful. Excellent. Good. There we go. Uh, so there we go. Payback time. Uh, Pentagon responds to a ram-backed aggression. We don't have a lot of details for you, and we're probably not going to get any before the show ends today, but obviously we'll keep an eye on for all of it. I, do, I, I want to get into what happened in New York. I want to get into the illegal immigration issue, um, some of the politics as we look at the presidential election, and a bad day. Bad day for Fawny Willis, the district attorney in Georgia, as she um, agrees uh, confesses to what we already knew, which is that she engaged in an extramarital affair with the guy she brought on to be the uh, prosecutor to go after Trump in Fulton County, Georgia. But beyond that, at this point... What we're waiting for is some sort of clarity from this administration on what's going on in the Middle East. We're probably not going to get it because this is Groundhog Day. Nevertheless, we'll be right back. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Ned, Ned Ryerson, welcome back to the show. It's Groundhog Day here on a Friday. Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Thank you for being here today. It's great to have you with us as we uh, end another fantastic week of broadcasting. I won't go for, so far as to say broadcast excellence, but broadcasting nonetheless. And uh, it was a fun week for me, too, because I got to do Parks Casino. I got to fill in for the great one, Mark Levin. I got to fill in for Dana Lash. And it's a Friday, and I'm here. So there you go, all right? I am here and I am I am with you. I am live and I'm with you. Till the end of the till the end of the line. I'm with you till the end of the line, as Captain America would say. To Bucky. Anyway, you know, I was thinking about uh I, I do I, I actually really do love uh the movie Groundhog Day a lot. I I was rewatching it. We talked about this on the, on the show a little bit earlier, but I, I was just thinking the schlocky radio, you know what I mean? The, the schlocky radio of uh of of <laughs> Uh, of that of that show, it reminds me of just all the things about those terrible FM morning radio shows. I just I, I, I hate them so much, you know. Like, and and they're not really around as much anymore because a lot of them are, are are gone. And the ones who are still around, they just became a bunch of woke sellouts, terrified of COVID, who just stay in their basement and lecture everybody and and belittle their own audience. And yeah, I'm talking about woke Howard Stern, for example. But whenever I, whenever I watch Groundhog Day and, and, you know, the radio, the alarm clock comes on and, and the Sonny and Cher. And by the way, last night at Parks Casino, I gra- went up on stage. I grabbed the microphone and Joni and I did a little I Got You, Babe. I changed all the lyrics to things making fun of Joe Biden. And it was a lot of fun. It really was. It was a lot of fun. It was it was uh, it was a good night to be there. And I was happy that they let me do that. <laughs> I was happy that they let me do that. But I was thinking the schlocky radio of uh, of Groundhog Day, right? Big question on everybody's lips. Yeah, they're chap lips. They're chap lips. Chap right lips. Do you think Phil's going to come out and see a shadow? Punks a tawny Phil. That's right, woodchuck chuckers. It's Groundhog Day. Get up and check that hog out there. Yeah. Hooey, hooey. Come here, Groundhog. Hooey, hooey. Come here, Groundhog. Come here, Groundhog. It feels like Groundhog Day every day, doesn't it, with uh, with politics sometimes? I mean, doesn't it really? It, it feels that way. I take take the situation in New York, you know, with, with Governor Kathy Hochul. And w- when she said, I want them to get out. Like, you know, I want, I want these people to get out. All these illegals. I want them to get out. 
Finally, welcome. Hey, welcome to the party, pal. So welcome to the party, pal moment. But truly, where where were these people for years and years? You know where they were? Same place they are now. They just, they were sanctuary cities and they were proud of that fact. So they never bothered to say anything about it because they never thought it would hit their doorstep. And if you don't think it's going to hit your doorstep, you you have no incentive to change your woke progressive ways. It's very easy to come out and say things. It's like it's seen in Seinfeld where Jerry says, you know, anybody can take the reservation. You know, it's holding the reservation. It's keeping the reservation. Anybody can come out and say, hey, there's no home here. No person's illegal. We're a sanctuary city. Come to our city. And they don't really think that people are going to come. The minute that they start showing up, that's suddenly when they start singing a different tune. Now, this situation in New York is just atrocious. It's absolutely atrocious what's going on here. And I'll tell you what, this Alvin Bragg is a disgrace. I mean, this guy is a disgrace. He's, 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 he's the Larry Krasner of New York, pro-criminal, anti-cop, letting these illegal immigrants escape New York. And the guys are walking by, giving the finger. Why they were ever released from jail in the first place makes no mistake. It makes no sense. These illegal immigrants who beat up these two NYPD cops, they never should have been let go. They were beating up cops, and they were here illegally. They should have been in behind bars. They should not have been released. Instead, they released, and now they're gone into the wild again. Gone into the wild. And I tell you, it's, it's so pathetic. For pathetic. Police believe four of the migrants arrested and the cop beat down near Times Square fled on a bus to California. Well, good, California can have them, except they deserve justice in New York for what they did. Darwin Andres Gomez, 19 years old, Kevin Silvita Arrocha, 19, Wilson Juarez, 21, and Jorman Riverone, 24, were released without monetary bail by a Manhattan judge. But the one guy, Reveron, had prior arrests on his rap sheet, was put on supervised release. Oh, supervised release. Well, then that's much better. Oh, it's supervised release. Oh, good. Beating the crap out of cops on the streets in New York City. One guy's also accused of punching a worker at Macy's Herald Square last month while allegedly trying to rob the retailer or two others. These are very upstanding people. Very upstanding. Two more migrants were arrested by cops later that night. Dozens of New York's finest and reps for the Police Benevolent Association packed the courtroom for Brito's arraignment Thursday as he became the first of those charged in the attack to be ordered, held on bail. Well, that's fine. But they set the bail at $15,000. Cash bail. You believe that? Or 50000 bond. That's nothing. Nothing. These guys had no permanent addresses. They had nothing. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's truly pathetic. It, it, it's pathetic what's happening. Chicago now, the migrant crisis spilling into the suburbs. Chicago's unhappy with this. Every city's unhappy with this. They should be. But you brought this on yourselves. You said we are a sanctuary city. Yeah. Jim Kenny doing the white man's overbite. That cheap, ill-fitting suit that he was wearing. High-fiving his chief of staff. We are a sanctuary city. Yeah. Here's Hochul. Get them all and send them back. You don't, you don't touch our police officers. You don't touch anybody. Thank you, everybody. Get them all and send them back. From whence you came. Go back from whence you came. It's a great sentiment, uh, Governor, but y- you were all about amnesty and open borders five minutes ago. Five minutes ago. You know what I mean? So, w- w- uh, Congressman um, uh, Lawler put this very, very well when he said, you know, when, when you think about what 
we're offering here. Why wouldn't people come? Why wouldn't people come? You're offering them all these free things. What do you think is going to happen? And this, of course, is the Democrats' big plan, right? I mean, they, they, they flood the zone in red states with illegal immigrants. Then they give them everything. And then they turn around and they make, give them amnesty. They register them to vote, and then they flip these states blue. That's their ultimate goal. It got dismantled a little bit, derailed a little bit, when Governor Greg Abbott said, I'm not keeping all these people. You're, we're sending them to you. But they're still getting all these things for free. So what? What is your uh, what is your incentive to actually not come? No, there's no incentive whatsoever. Here's Congressman uh, Mike Lawler. And not to mention, Congressman, the millions and millions of, of dollars that are being spent, taxpayer money, to go towards people who came here illegally, and at the expense of people who live here, who were born here, and now have their kids doing, you know, virtual learning because migrants are taking over schools. I mean, it's out. It's outrageous. Actually, it's even worse than that. It's billions of dollars. Mm. New York State ah. uh, proposed to spend $2.4 billion in this year's upcoming state budget while cutting state school aid. Uh, so not only were they sending students to remote learning to house migrants in uh, New York City schools, public schools, uh, they're now looking to cut public state school aid uh, to fund the migrant crisis here in New York City. It's, it's totally insane. And I don't see it getting better anytime soon, do no. you? Not if the policies uh, remain the same. Look, Joe, Bo- Joe Biden yeah. has failed miserably to secure our southern border. That has created this crisis of illegal immigrants flooding the country. Uh, but the reason they're coming to New York is because of their policies. They are a magnet right. uh, when you're offering free housing, food and health care. What do you think's going to yeah. happen? Yeah, it's upside down world. It's insane. Well, you just, you know, if you, if you give people free stuff, they're going to come. They're going to come. Here's the uh, president of the NYPD uh, Police Benevolent Association. Why aren't they in jail right now? Oh. Oh, sorry. Brutally attacked a New York City police officer and a lieutenant. Our criminal justice system is upside down. It fails every day. It does fail every day. But hey, listen, if you're a cop and you do something wrong, they'll come after you. Yes, they will. Don't forget that. They absolutely will. They'll come after you. And, and this is a great example of this, right? When Democrats were pro-sanctuary city, Here's a great example of this. This is Democrat Tom Souza, who was bragging about the fact that he made Nassau County, which is a county in Long Island, where he made Nassau County a sanctuary county. He was bragging about this fact in 2022. Bragging. When I was county executive of Nassau County, I kicked ICE out of Nassau County. Kicked ICE out. Kicked ICE. Get out of here, ICE. ICE, you go. You go. You know what I mean? Ice out, you ice out. I mean, it's just what what happened here in New York is a disgrace. It's a disgrace. And all of these people, all these these illegal immigrants who walk by and give the finger to the camera and they they know nothing's going to happen to them. They know they're going to get away with it. They don't care because, again, if you cross the border illegally and they give you a court date and they say, hey, come back. You know what I mean? Just five years from now, you better you better show up in court. You better show up in court. And then what happens if they don't? What happens if they don't? 
Now, a lot of black families are very angry about what's happening in Massachusetts as they're shutting down recreation centers to house these illegal immigrants. Here's a Massachusetts resident calling out the Democrats for this exact exact Don't get thing. me wrong. It's great that they want to help the immigrants. Hmm. The Americans that are already here. What about the people that are already here that don't have homes, that don't have jobs, that are sleeping on the street already? Now it's going to destroy our community more in mess our children up more why are they not helping the people here first they don't care about you and if you say america first you're racist that's why they don't care about you and if you say america first then you are racist mayor adams admitted by the way that sanctuary cities sanctuary laws prevent the deportation of violent criminals he admitted as much he said it he said the quiet part out loud. He knows it. We know Mayor it. Adams, any response to the migrants being released? Why does it keep freezing? Right now, but thank you for your New York City Mayor Eric Adams did not stop to answer questions today about the attack, but told a local station, quote, those migrants who are here because they want to be part of the American dream, we say yes to that. But those who are breaking our laws, we need to re-examine the laws that don't allow us to deport them because they're doing violent acts. Now, two more suspects arrested last night are expected to be arraigned in criminal court today, as you mentioned. So far, at least two of the suspects arrested in this case have previous criminal cases open against them. And let's not forget, crossing the border illegally is also a crime. Can we not forget that fact, please? Can we? Can we please remember that? I would I would just like you to do that. Can we please do that? Please, please remember that. You know, the uh, breaking news today when I got on the air was that Fawny Willis admitted in a court filing that she did have an affair with Nathan Wade, her top prosecutor on the case. She also says the claims against her are meritless and salacious. There's no evidence that their relationship prejudiced the case. These um, district attorneys, these anti-Trump district attorneys, Fawny Willis... Alvin Bragg, they make people very angry. They really do. They make people very angry. I, I laughed at this clip. There was this uh, John Heilman, who is a uh, lefty. I mean, he really he pretends to be some centrist moderate. They have this little panel and they, on MSNBC, and they talk about how, forget arguing about Biden's age. Biden just go out there and show everybody he's angry about things. That he's angry about things. Dude. Biden is angry about things. He caused these things. So he's going to go out there and say he's angry about the things that he caused, the problems that he caused. That's that's your strategy. That's your big strategy here. That's the strategy. I was talking yesterday to someone who studies. Uh, who studies uh, what? Everything keeps the misinformation crazy. and kind of how like people's perceptions get set. In. And they were talking about how that people think about when there's a piece of a piece of information that's put out that's false. The instinct of politicians and communications offices is to go out and dispute that fact, you know, to try and fact check it, right? And that, in fact, the way it works really in the world, what's better is to give people something else to think about and something particularly that kind of implicitly disproves the first thing. So this person Mm. said, you know, that when people talk about Biden's age, nothing does more for it to refute the notion that Biden's too old or not up to the job. Then, you know, when you see him behind the wheel of a car with with the aviators on, looking, looking good, you don't go out and say, he's not old enough, he's fine. You just, you show it, right? Right. right. And this is the kind of thing you're talking about, Joe. It's like you you get him out there showing the anger, the passion. You know, you, you don't argue about is he too old or does he still have it? You just go out and show that he's still has it, especially in a relatable way that he's 
pissed off about the things that a lot of people are pissed off about. Right. And, and it just makes him seem, even if at that point, if he stumbles a little bit, people forgive the stumble uh, right. when they see the passion. Right. And they hear words that sound normal, American. Dude, the, when Biden is ticked off about the things that they're ticked off about, Biden created those things that they're ticked off about. What are you talking about? And then the other problem is Biden can't go out there and sound like a normal person because Biden doesn't have any passion. He's going on and saying, well, Biden needs to show the passion. He doesn't have any passion. He's a doddering old fool. That's what he sounds like. He sounds like a doddering old fool all the time. So, I mean, how, how do you how do you possibly turn around and go, well, you know, I mean, this is this is this is passion right now. This is this is, this is a passion. Joe Biden's passion. I've been doing this a long time. I know I don't look like I'm. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> anyway, but four, 40 times two. Yeah, I've been doing this a long time. Yeah, don't make age an issue. Let his passion be the issue. Let his passion guide the day. Let his passion lead the way. Please, give me a break. All right, it's Friday night on Talk Radio 1210 WPHG. It's Groundhog Day. It's Groundhog Day, campers. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to the Seoli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the Odyssey app. There's a number of developments in the uh, strikes in the Middle East tonight. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. Thanks again for coming out to Parks, Parks Casino. If you joined us last night... We had a lot of fun. Don't forget our big event with Terry Hayes coming up uh, next week, Wednesday, this coming week. So make sure you get your tickets by going to 1210WPHT.com. Uh, so a, a couple a couple of um, developments. First of all, Jordanian aircraft uh, apparently joined in the operation and have been assigned targets. The, the, big, the big takeaway from everything that happened today is that Iran knew this was coming. They knew this was coming. Iran knew this was coming. They were informed. They had time to move their staff. They had time to, to evacuate people. And that's what we what we know. We, we gave Iran a lot of notice here via Iraq. John Kirby came out, the acting president, John Kirby, came out and gave a statement. He said the whole response lasted about 30 minutes, and the U.S. military aircraft is now out of harm's way. I believe we have the audio of that. Uh, Matt DeSantis, let's uh, let's take a listen to the acting president, John Kirby. And that we can speak to um, as I uh, I'm not going to nor would I ever uh, preview uh, or get ahead of any future potential um, operations one way or the other. Uh, but as I said, um, th- these uh, these responses began tonight, but they're not going to end tonight. Could I then uh, ask, do you expect that there will be any video component to these strikes that may be released at a certain point? Or um, how long would you anticipate the uh, battle assessment about uh, what you've accomplished? How long would that typically take for these kinds of strikes? On the, uh, I'm going to turn it to the general on your BDA question. Uh, we're, we're still uh, uh, looking at, uh, at imagery to see uh, what can be made publicly available. Uh, we've done it before, as you know. Uh, we're certainly going to take a look at the imagery available, and uh, if uh, we can, we'll, we'll make whatever public that we that we can. But we're still working our way through the imagery, and I'll turn it over to General Sims on the the, the time horizon for the BDA. 
Thanks, Roy. I think again, we're gonna we'll let the sun come up, and we'll be able to start to make some some better determinations in terms of battle damage assessment. Um, we feel pretty confident. As we mentioned uh, it was 85 individual targets within each of these locations. Uh, we feel really confident about the precision of those of those targets and the, the fact that those were were uh, strong military targets. Um, we did, as you would imagine, we we are able to see a good portion of those through our uh, collection methods and the initial indication or we hit exactly what we meant to hit with a number of secondary explosions associated with the ammunition and logistics locations that were mentioned by Mr. Kirby earlier. Thank you for taking my question. Thank you, Kelly. Next question is Amr Madani from the AP. Just uh, real, real quick. Um, Matt, I don't have eyes on this. Tell me what is this like a like a, a Zoom thing or what is happening here? Yeah, there's no visual component, so I, I'm guessing this was some sort of teleconference. Uh, that he wasn't standing at a podium, from what I'm seeing. He wasn't standing at at a, at a podium. No, again, I it could just be the um, the clip I have, but it doesn't sound as though he's standing at a, a podium. And if there was a visual component, I imagine it would have been posted. Uh, okay. it, it sounds like it's audio only, so I'd guess some sort of teleconference. So what? What? Here's here's what I can tell you definitively right now. A Iran knew this was coming. All right, that's number one. Number two, the commander in chief, the president of the United States of America who's running for re-election, allegedly, in an election year, who authorized these strikes, allegedly, is nowhere to be found. He's missing in action. They, pull, they, they call the lid on this. Actually, right before Dr. Coates got on the air with me at 4.30 today, two hour, over two hours ago, they put a lid on the day. The acting president, John Kirby, is out explaining what happened. All of this was a show. This was a retaliatory show today. A retaliatory strike show. That's all this was. I mean, that's what this was. And... Now we have confirmation that knowing that we know that, yes, Iran knew this was coming. So um, let's listen more a little bit more of what uh, this this Kirby, I don't know, Zoom press conference, whatever this is. Thanks, Sean. Um, uh, Follow on the B1. Was the B1 meant to send a signal to Iran specifically reminding Tehran that the U.S. is capable of striking high value targets inside Iran, including its nuclear facilities? And why um, was it not was it decided not to strike targets inside Iran? Thank you. I'll let the General Sims um, take a crack at that first one, and I'm, I'm happy, General, if you want to, to take the second. Yes, sir. So we're not we're not trying to send a signal to anybody other than those who mean Americans harm. And in this case, uh, we struck targets that, that got after exactly that. Uh, as we mentioned before, IRGC related targets, um, targets that are holding, uh, lo- that are holding locations for munitions that have been used against our men and women, uh, located in the region, as well as locations that have been providing command and control and intelligence collection, uh, in those strikes against Americans. Um, and the B-1 allowed us to do that, again, from the United States, enables us to do so uh, at a time that we choose and uh, with a significant number of munitions. I'll pass it back to Mr. Kirby. Amr, as I said in my opening statement, we do not seek a conflict with Iran. Uh, these targets were chosen, as we said, to, uh, to degrade uh, and disrupt the capabilities of the IRGC and the groups that they sponsor and support. As the general said, we believe that the, these targets... Uh, f- fell into e- exactly that criteria 
Um, uh, and, you know, the goal here is to get these uh, attacks to stop. We are not. Okay. Now, we also have audio from Lieutenant General Douglas Sims II, the director of the Joint Staff. He said the Pentagon felt confident that the military had hit exactly what they meant to hit. Uh, Okay, that was in that clip. Okay, thank you, Matt, for the clarification. All right, so basically on this Friday evening on Groundhog Day, 6.48 p.m., we, we know now that the President of the United States has not said a word, nor nor will he. And this is going to continue perhaps through the weekend. Perhaps this could last for weeks. No intention of asking Congress for permission. And it doesn't matter because none of this is really going to achieve anything because Iran knew it was coming and they were able to take whatever precautions they could to make sure that nobody would get hurt. So the whole thing is a fugazi. I mean, it seems like a fugazi to me, these retaliatory strikes. It seems like a giant fugazi. The other big story of the day today, and there's two prongs to this, but it was a very bad day for the people going after Donald Trump. The first one is that the judge in the Trump D.C. federal case has indefinitely postponed the trial date of March the 4th or March 3rd. The goal of Jack Smith was to get Trump on the stand before... Super Tuesday, that is not going to happen, period, not going to happen. Uh, that that trial date is, the, the trial may never happen. And the second thing, of course, is that, as I described to you earlier, Fawny Willis, by acknowledging the affair with Nathan Wade, uh, has all but destroyed the Georgia case. Because now a woman who ran on running an office and never dating anyone that, that worked for her uh, dated a guy that she directed $700,000 to. And now that case is tainted and she's going to lose the case. The office will lose the case and that may not um, ever go forward. So it was a good day for Trump and a bad day for his his political enemies in court and political enemies in the political theater. No question about that. There have been at least 166 attacks on U.S. forces since October 17th. And as Dr. Coates said earlier today, if I were advising the president I would have said at some point Americans are going to die in, in, in the course of all this. And that's, of course, what happened over the weekend, last weekend, when three American soldiers were killed. But the question that I kept asking Dr. Coates is, is anything we're doing tonight really going to make a difference? Are we actually going to really do anything if we gave Iran exactly the information that they needed to make the preparations to move their staff to evacuate the embassies and everything else i'm just i want i want to understand this because it seems to me that this was nothing more than theater retaliatory strike theater and i and i get it if you don't want war with iran nobody really does but at the same time and this is another point that i raise in my question with dr coates if you don't make it clear that we're not messing around here, aren't you just going to get more attacks? I mean, if, if, if in other words, if they are expecting a response, and this is our response, and this response is a Fugazi response, isn't that just going to lead them to think they can keep doing what they're doing? And then at some point, aren't we going to actually have to respond in a real forceful way? But by then, is it going to be where you've got so many people calling out, for a real response that it inevitably escalates in such a in such a, a way, I, I I don't know, but I, um, I I I think that absolutely without question, you and I are watching 
the ultimate political theater, but without the political advantage of the commander in chief who's running for reelection, going behind the podium, standing out there or sitting behind the resolute desk in the Oval Office and taking credit for any of this or directing the nation or reassuring the nation or, or anything, anything. And that's the reality. The other point I want to make is that Dr. Wilfred Riley, who was on the show earlier today, tweeted out that his article is getting very viral. And um, I am grateful for him for talking about intersectionality. I know that it's a little bit of a heady concept. But as Christopher Rulo tweeted out, Wilfred Riley is a gateway drug to Thomas Sowell. And I think that that is very aptly put. Christopher Rulo is another guy we want to get on the show. But I thought Riley's interview was excellent. I, I, you know, when I have these guys on who are so brilliant, I try to let them get as much runway as possible. And I ask them questions from the perspective of somebody who has literally no idea what he's talking about and then let them expound and let them explain because they're masters in, in, in their area. And I don't need, unlike other hosts, mostly national ones, I don't need to ask them the questions and answer the question at the same time. I can just a- allow them to answer and give you information from their perspective that is an expertise that, quite frankly, only they have. Same thing with Dr. Coates, too. So I thought we had two extraordinary interviews today. If you missed it, please get the podcast. Uh, please do that. And have a great weekend. And it's Groundhog Day. The good news is that we know that uh, we're going to have an early spring because Buxatawney Phil is never wrong, despite climate change. We also know that Henry has played the same freaking Cher song, the in- and Sonny and Cher song, the entire show, and acted like he didn't. What are you trying to say? And I'm not saying anything. I'm just saying you played the exact song every break and you're acting like you didn't do that. And we all know you did. So <laughs> I refute that statement. I, I've been mixing it up all day. I don't know what you're talking about. It's going to be a blizzard later. And um, <laughs> Beth Condover says, Rich, really funny idea coming out of commercial, but embarrassing how long it took me to get the joke. The first few times I thought the app was glitching again. <laughs> LOL, Beth. <laughs> Thank you, Beth. Yeah, you know what? We probably shouldn't ever do that again considering the app. You know what I mean? Like maybe we probably, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe until they make the app work, maybe we don't. Anyway, have a great weekend. Enjoy it. Thank you for being here. The great one, Mark Levin, is up next. I'm sure he's going to have a lot to say or his guest host will have a lot to say about what's going on. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. And on the free Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 